On this episode of the Telerotor RC Podcast, here's a little something I bet you've never heard Monty say before and probably never will again. Uh, the only way it was going to get repaired is if I smashed it, so off we go to start a repair. Got a flight to the ground first. And the next time you want Kapala to fly your helicopter, you might want to remember what he says here. You aren't afraid to lose it, because this time it's not yours, so you need it. And Shaggy talks about some new maneuvers he's been trying, and maybe places to fly? There's, there's gonna, always going to be a first with everything. You know, first time you flip the model, first time you fly underneath the lights, first time you fly inside of a van. And what possibly could Cliff be talking about here? I'm pretty sure. I'll November uh, 2nd, or fourth. no, no, it's 3rd to the 6th. 4th, 5th, and 6th. 4th, 5th, and 6th. Yeah, 3rd, 4th, 5th, 6th. It it's doesn't not. matter. The show's not going to be out by then. But the show's not going to be out until Christmas time, so it doesn't matter. Yep, I'm not going to get into discussion about planks. Without doing this, let it fly across the sky, scratch my ass, whatever. So sit back and join us. This is episode 51, Fear. Hello and welcome to Telerotor RC. This is episode 51, Fear. This is Robert Monty and with me is Michael Shaggy Parker. Hello everyone. Mike DiPaolo. Why is that sheet so goddamn slow? Oh shit, it's a video. Rich Sowers. Hey, hey. What's up, guys? Hey, hey. Hey, Cliff Lewis. Hey. Oh, that's perfect timing, Mike. That worked it out well. Did that really just happen? Yeah, it did. Just click on your audacity and tell it to start recording. We turned on video so we could try and help talk over. Okay, well, audacity's on. Memes. Episode 51, Fear. All right, what are we talking about? Uh, first up, so it's been done since the last episode. Yes. Cliff, why don't you start with this? Uh, okay. So. That sounds great. First and foremost, I got my truck back. Finally. <laughs> 16 weeks later. I'm never taking Dude. it back to North Carolina again. That state is, I don't know, it's the devil down there. It wasn't the state, bud. Well, I don't know what it was. It's new song. Uh, went down. Devil went to North Carolina. Yeah, but actually, you know what? Here's a, here's a, here's a, a theme coming on right here. I'm seeing a trend. So it takes 50 hours for Rich to come to Virginia, and then three days to get to Indiana, and he's from North Carolina. And it takes 16 weeks for <laughs> Cliff's truck to get back to Virginia. <laughs> so oh, it's something. Shit. So there's a trend coming here, and it all involves North Carolina. Is North Carolina the Bermuda Triangle of the RC Heli Hobby? I'm thinking that it is. Evidently of travel. Yeah. It's a bad mm. place. So anyhow. I'm surprised. Uh, my truck is back. Super happy. So happy. You guys, you don't, you can't begin to understand how much you use your vehicle until you don't have it to use for 16 weeks. Y'all need to see a picture of Happy Cliff. Or <laughs> <on the phone. laughs> we don't need to see that picture. The thing is, is he's already only reliving the happy memories of getting his truck back. He's not reliving the sad memory of how much washing he had to do. Oh, my God. That was bad. Yeah. yeah. He parked it out in the woods. I think as far back in the woods as he could get it. Um, and, yeah, it was it was pretty nasty. Well, now, wait a minute. Was your truck in North Carolina getting fixed or in Virginia getting fixed? 
it broke down in North Carolina. We went back down there the next week and got it and hauled it back up here to Virginia to get it So fixed. it's really been in Virginia for 15 weeks. Yes. What's that got to do with North Carolina? Where did it break down at? They started uh, it. That's just where it started. Right. They started they it. They started it. It just started. It's their fault. All right. All right. I don't have any idea when the last time was we, were, we recorded. So I think uh, we went to Hell Extravaganza. That yes. was uh, that was fun. Um, really, that's 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 the most fun place for me to ever go to. It was busy. God, it was so busy running here, running there, and it was hot. But man, it was so much fun. And the the venue's just a it's it's a great place. I, I love that place down there. Yeah, we'll probably talk about that in a bit. Probably. Looks like we will. Um, yeah. A couple of weeks after that, I went to a, my local field. They had a planker event, and they let me fly a little bit. And it was pretty obvious. Those guys don't get to see helicopters very often because I flew, and then Madison flew, and they're like, man, you guys are awesome. And I'm like, yeah, you guys don't get out much, do you? Um, <clears throat> so that was fun. And then uh, this past weekend, we went to Steve's event. In uh, in Hanover, and it was it was it was really nice field, great weather. Um, getting in there with a the trailer, not so much fun. Coming off the road, it's kind of got an an odd angle when you come in. Um, my camper's kind of low, and I thought it might drag, but it didn't. It did okay. <clears throat> so like, great, we got it made. And then you get all the way out to this. Um, at least 90 hairpin turn where you got to squeeze in between the beans and this concrete post to get in past this little creek. Um, we did it. We all made it. But uh, yeah, it was it was it was kind of scary. It was kind of sketchy watching that trailer go past that concrete post. I tell you what, man, it was sketchy in my little tiny trailer. How do you manage getting um, getting up that hill onto the main highway at the end? Was that tricky or not a problem? That, that part wasn't that bad at all, but. Yeah, that's, that's a pretty say, steep hill. It, it, it is a steep little hill, but it's not too bad. But man, that that ninety degree turn coming in there was horrible. I'll say, let's keep uh, the event coverage to the event coverage section. We can do that then. Um, last thing, then I bugged Greg Gringle for quite a bit, and I finally got uh, a bunch of stuff from him to get my raw seven hundred stretched to a raw eight hundred. Just got Ooh. that finished up. And I uh, hope to be able to fly it this weekend. So I'm really looking forward to that. Cool. That's it for me. Is that the same rod that I that I nearly crashed like five times this past weekend? It is. Same rod, but now it's Mo bigger. Mo bigger. Mo bigger. Uh, all right, all right, Rich. You done? You done, Cliff? I am. All right, Cliff. Uh, Rich, you're next. All right. Um, I also went to Heli Extravaganza. It is the best place around to go, I think. I think it's the best fun fly of the year. Alex Travaganza was a blast. Other podcasts have covered it. And it's long enough going now. I think we're good. But it is a great event. I can't wait to go next year. Um, you know, and uh, hey, I finally got the raw gasser flying there. That was fun. Um, but then uh, we had this little thing called a hurricane come up so i didn't make a mow down dude i would have driven in the rain and following it up it was um you mean the no down the no down is that what it was the no down yeah if that's what it's called yes uh, i had planned to go up and um uh, but then it, i would have literally followed the storm thursday into friday um 
or Friday, you know, all day into Saturday. It, it was nasty here Friday. Lots of wind and blew part of my fence down. Um, we had some minor flooding. It was minor, but some guys got flooded. Um, but yeah, it was a lot of rain and some wind. But anyway, uh, so I didn't go up to mow down. Um, I know you guys look like you had a good time, and some of you guys anyway. Otherwise, man, I haven't bought anything. I have sold a few things. Um, I did have my first ever worst um, selling somebody in the hobby experience. Finally had a bad one. Oh, oh, explain uh, that. Nah, I'm not going to go into because I'm not going to name the person, but everybody knows him. Well, no, you don't have to name the person, but um, just like, you know, but, what, what, was the person like a douche? No, I'm not, I'm not going to go into the details, but I'm just, I just finally had a, had somebody that, you know, all of us know that, um, turned into a bad experience. Um, I did, I mean, it did eventually take care of itself. At least, at least it wasn't, um, you, at least you, well, you didn't sell a set of, uh, data servos and had to ship out your cell phone so you can unbind them (laughs) no did not do that i can get on a tangent about that but i'm not going to i'm going to be respectful but that sucks yeah well no it was nothing like that it was just uh um well just i just was gonna say i had a bad experience i'm not gonna if i see something start going weird with this guy for somebody else i will let them know um, but other people have also had trouble with this guy recently. So that's 90% of the time. You're not going to deal with that, but you, every once in a while you get a bad apple and that's unfortunate that we all dealt with through that before. Yeah. It's, it's, it's weird. Cause I mean, I have sold a bunch of stuff, but anyway, um, and I also went to Steve's event. I came up on Saturday. It did not take me, but like four hours to get there. So, all right. Let <laughs> somebody else go. I'm all right. All right, Mike. What? Mike, your turn. Put put the dog oh, down. I gotta go now. Mike, would you yeah. save me, please? All right. So yeah, Salty didn't go to get the Heliax. Uh, eventually, did replace the other big helicopter with another big helicopter. So that one works. Hasn't exploded. Great success. Honestly, I don't know. Not much has really happened. I mean, what? I went to uh, went to Steve's event. That was a solid pull. Appreciated that. Good time. It's funny though, like Cliff says, you can tell the clubs you go to when they um, they don't get out at all. <laughs> yeah, you show up and throw down with night blades, or you go flippy floppy a spicy jet around, and it's like, oh my god, come back anytime you want. And I'm like, it, okay, I'm not really an airplane guy, but appreciate it. Glad you enjoyed the show. <laughs> you immediately getting out of the out of the truck, and then. Um, People say, "Oh yeah, I had I had a heli once, um, or, or or I have helis." Like, "Oh yeah, what you got? Uh, Concept 30? It's like, "Oh, oh, oh dude, okay. I'll take a pull on I'll, I'll take a pull on a Kyosho. Hell yeah, kick, kick it old school, man. Concept thirties. Um, yeah, nothing. Honestly, nothing much else has happened. Bunch of stuff at work. A couple jet pools. Yeah, I mean, laser stuff, work stuff, other nonsense. Um, parts actually exist now for things like micro glows, so those will probably happen nice. again here soon. Hmm. You can actually buy microcontrollers and not have to resort to crappy, you know, Chinese ripoffs. All right. Anything else, uh, Mike? No, because if I bring it up, we're going to take another half an hour. All right. Well, <laughs> Rob's turn or my turn. I don't care. It's your turn, Shaggy. All right. Well, I'm in the mood for yelling. 
Yeah, I'm freaking hyped today because I was working by myself today and I just had headphones on just listening to RCHN and it got me back in the mood to wanting to really, you know, fuck up Cliff's heli. So I want your heli, Cliff. I tried to get on my level, son. I deleted. Yes, you did. Deleted poor Eric's helicopter. Um, I went to uh, Heli X first time there, first time at Heli X, and I felt like shit. Uh, then I may or may not have gotten pressure to fly a fireball into the water <sighs> by a certain Scott, uh, Devin, Jay, and basically all the uh, the RCHO guys. And it only tapped the water; it didn't go in the water. Yeah, it, the blades were submerged. It, it was in the water. <laughs> Um, not as good as Daniel's, dude. That flight was so that that flight was awesome. You know, was that Alex's helicopter? Uh, it was Alex Ferguson's helicopter. It was made in flight. That was the one I sold him earlier. I sold it to him earlier in the day. Oh, really? Oh, really? Yeah, because yeah, that was the maiden flight on that heli. Yeah. Oh, that and feeling of ownership hadn't really kicked in yet. Yeah, yeah. and it flew <laughs> like ass because it was not tuned at all. Um, that was a fun. That was fun though. But that's basically all that. And flying your raw gasser and it's shaking like crazy is all I can remember of our and basically sleeping on the couch or trying to trying to sleep on the couch. And that was about it. That's all I remember. And it was hot as hell. <laughs> it's, it's it's a blur to me. It's all a blur. Um, next is basically I I, uh, I flew at the no down. Uh, I'm not going to talk much about that. That was a lot of fun. Just enjoyed it. And then I went to Steve's event. Kind of. Decided last second to go to Steve's event. Brought my dad with me and just had a blast. Uh, every flight that I flew, I almost put something in every single time, and it was awesome. Uh, Cliff basically said, "Hey, your dad looked like he had a good time too." There, he did. He really misses flying, and because of his memory loss, he doesn't remember a whole lot. So it's kind of like a reset every time we go to the field, and he tries to fly. Like he, you know, he can fly. It's just he does, when he ha- when he has to try to think about it that's when there's problems so uh but like he can do it if he doesn't think about it you know the, the memory is still there but he doesn't remember it so uh it's it's kind of a reset every time we go back out there it's kind of like trying to explain to him again uh how to do it and get his confidence up so he wants to go back out in the field and, and actually fly some more because uh, the way the Hanover field was that's the way uh thornsburg used to be uh I've been there since before that clubhouse was there and before any of the, the necessities were there. I mean, I was there basically before that club be, became on the map. I've been there since I was six or seven years old. Um, back in 2001, 2002 is when I started going to that field. So, uh, and then the last thing basically uh, is I got the, t- I got some lights from work and I get, to, I get free shit to test out. So I've been talking to Mike about testing things out and I found out that holy shit, they are a mess. There needs to be a lot of work. So basically, pawn lights that I'm working on testing. That might be fun. Nothing to do for flying. Yeah. No, nothing for flying. But it's just something cool. You know, it's electronic stuff. I I kind of kind of want to see if I can plug these. If I can find a way to plug these uh, lights into a gyro and use the stick to change the colors, making an S bus, a serial bus. Uh, basically, I want to fly. I just want to fly right now. Um. No, it's going to be it's going to be out. It happened before uh, this episode gets released, but I'm going to be Shannon Airports, our local like uh, civilian airport, and they're having a fall festival 
And I've always gone out there, brought our aircrafts out there. We show our aircrafts out there. But this time, it's been the first time in a very long time we get to fly. And so I'm going to be flying my heli there. Um, I'm excited for that. Uh, Mike's going to fly his flippy floppy jet. Anyway, uh, Depa- or no, DePaulo's already done. So, Monty. Uh, I've been to events. Uh, I've done a little bit of heli work because of my attendance at events. And uh, that's about it. Dun, dun, dun. Damn, that was quick. That was a fear because he was so quick. Well, uh, RC heli news and heli event coverage. Well, we've 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 been in and out of the events. Uh, almost all of us went to heli extravaganza except for Mike, as usual. It's like he's in school again. Um, <laughs> it's a giant blur. That's all I can think of. Uh, oh yeah, that's right. You guys that, drove down together. Yeah. yeah, and that's another thing. Okay, Monty is a machine because we decided to – we were going to leave on Saturday to just go. And it's like, oh, we'll probably leave, you know, at, right after dinner. And that turned to, oh, uh, we'll leave at like, you know, right after the raffle. And then we'll leave at like yeah, 7 o'clock and then 10 o'clock. And then, you know, I – and then it was like, well, we'll leave around midnight. You know, we packed up the tents and everything. I'm sleeping on the couch inside the, the registration office just or trying to sleep. And then I wake up at like two in the morning, walk out. He's still talking. And then I go back to bed. I wake up at four in the morning and he's still out there talking. It's like, are we going to leave? Okay, Shaggy, shut up. No, you got your time wrong. Uh, four, at like four or so, I took a shower and then I, I slept for about an hour. And then I think we were out of there by six. But six or six thirty, yeah, yeah. No, um, it was good to get down there. Uh, great to see people as usual. Um, yeah, <laughs> I think the. I wish I could say the same. Yeah, I think the funniest is uh, Hanover RC Heli Smackdown. The name is so long that it's now just going to be referred to as Steve's event. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's another thing I wanted to mention about that event. I pretty much dominated the raffle. Oh. I, I I got 15 tickets. Eight of my tickets uh, were picked. Huh. <laughs> um, did you top from the bottom or did you like dominate? What what was that? <laughs> <laughs> you don't know the answer. Keep on going. Okay. This is. Um, well, it, it was funny because like I, I got a couple things, um, you know, there were some things that were like valuable, but I like I don't need. I'll let someone else you know pick those. I'll pick the stuff that I I I I'm actually was planning on buying. And like the blade covers, I got some of those. I actually was needing needing another set of those. Um, and it got to the point where I just like kept on just telling like he would pick it, and I say Steve like call someone else. He picked it again, call someone. Here's mine again. It's like call someone else. And then I there was one guy who said you need to spread the luck, and I. Gave, it was like, he was here, I gave him my tickets, and then Steve picked another one, and it was mine. So now he has it. <laughs> and so he won, and then he passed it to someone else. It, just, it was just kept on going like that. It was funny. Yeah, that's about it. What was uh, a Friday I went out? Yeah, when did you get there? I came out on Friday. With your moto. Yeah, that's when I got there, too. I got there Friday, I don't know, midday, something like that. Yeah, no, I came out Friday evening <coughs> on the motorcycle. I packed my 520. Um, weather was cold, so I had to dress quite heavily. But it was fun to ride out there with a motorcycle or the, with a uh, with a helicopter on the motorcycle for the first time. Stuck Welcome it. to the club. It's yeah. fun. Yeah. Don't do wheelies. 
Yeah, stuck it in the side bag and and then uh, put batteries in the other one and transmitter in my top case and wrap my transmitter in uh, uh, try to think of rags, um, <laughs> nice rags, new rags. No, and then came back on a Saturday in the Mazda with uh, my Wraith, uh, which during fall heli mow down I did a, a flight with the Wraith. And uh, nighttime with LEDs on, blacked out everything. And then uh, I had a uh, uh, low terrain incident with the Wraith where uh, the soy basically took it from the – took it from its uh, low earthly bound into the ground. Um, and I did find a replacement set of landing gear for my Wraith. I am now running a line Black Shark landing gear on the Wraith, um, which are plastic struts and metal skids. And uh, the exact same dimensions – as it sits, uh, but I did have to make, um, I did have to uh, drill new holes for the mounting. That's an awesome alternative. Yeah, they yeah. look stock. They, they do. do, yeah. Yeah, no, it didn't raise the helicopter any. I didn't have to move my, my skid clamps on the table. I didn't have to move them at all. That's um, awesome. It, yeah, they, 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 they make the helicopter stand just as tall as it always did. And yeah, no, worked well. Uh, Hanover RC Heli Smackdown. It was a good time. Uh, with that the was 30, a lot of 37 fun. pilots. Yep, 37. So, yeah, it was, uh, pretty much saw and talked to everybody there, or many people. Many people there. Many people. <laughs> um, and yeah, they did some night flying. They had a light tower out there, and they had, um, oh, what are the damn light things? like things? four spotlights, too. Spotlights, yeah, yeah. Spotlights, spotlights. I actually um, would have loved to have gone out for the night flying, but of course I had my dad, and I was like, "That's that, that's fine." But uh, it sounded like a lot of fun for the nighttime. It was. Uh, Lamar, myself, and a few others were enjoying nighttime flying. Uh, Mike also did. Yeah, Mike did a really good night flight with LEDs. He didn't fly under the lights too much, except with his uh, his wee little M two. Oh, you know, because everyone needs a little bit of fear now and then. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that fits that episode. Yeah. Um, yeah, I had uh, I had fun with my 520. It needs parts. Um, Again. <laughs> I found most of them, so I should have it back in the air. I also fig- I probably figured out what was causing it to bobble an elevator. <laughs> it was but- blades, right? I thought it was when I replaced them. It seemed to work that one day, but it didn't work during the event, and it was shaking with both sets of blades at the event. Oh, um, okay. I think I had another. I think uh, there was a problem in the um, boom support that was causing the issue because the 520 has boom supports, and not a big round boom. So, well, when in doubt, smash it and rebuild it. Then you should see if it's gone or not. Yeah, that was kind of my um, that was kind of my uh, uh, motivation for um, going. <laughs> going all out with that helicopter which is abnormal for me is uh the only way it was going to get repaired is if i smashed it so off we go to start a repair <laughs> got a flight to the ground first <laughs> that's your beater heli so that's the purpose why you bought it yeah it was to try new stuff yeah new stuff and also just beat the crap out of it. it's cheap enough kathy came out kathy had some stuff oh, she, right. she bought a house she bought another little she's gonna airbnb it and that kind of thing down the road from us here and she had a bunch of stuff that she needed to return to richmond and she called me she's like well i'm gonna come by and see you i'm like mm, all right great this is gonna be fantastic so she got there and uh i already knew that you know the fun was pretty much done when she got there because i'm like i'm gonna have to just kind of sit around and make her happy and 
she got tired. So she came, she sat there and she was there for an hour and a half or so. And she's like, well, I want to take a nap. I'm like, oh, sweet. I'm going to start flying while you take a nap then. And we got in on that kind of that little, not an auto contest, but just where we were all out there autoing around and landing. And uh, well, some of us were autoing. Some of us were plowing into the ground. Lamont. Yeah, he was busy doing that. That's all right. <laughs> it was fun. Lamont was not having a good time with the wind. And that's his good yeah. side, no, too. No. Yeah. That wind was a little – we were all kind of struggling with yeah, that. Yeah, but I have well, an excuse. That's my bad side. Yeah, I wasn't enjoying the wind and then placement because uh, we were standing out of the runway and I didn't want to rant, land on the geotechs, which means I had to land the model way further out. But between that further out is between where the runway ends and the crop, the soy begins and – the further out your depth perception goes to shit. So I was just happy to hit the ground coming from that side. <laughs> <laughs> well, as soon as I saw five machines and my bad direction, I didn't even try. Well, so fun. then it's fun watching Kathy, uh, you know, she, she hung around and, uh, told her, I said, well, you know, we're getting ready to go eat. Do you want to go with us? I'm like, I figured she's going to say, yeah, no, I'm just, I'm going home. And she's like, yeah, no, I'll, I'll go ahead and go eat. Okay, great. So we went to the Mexican place. Of course, you know, Eric was there. And there is nothing like going to a Mexican place with Eric. Um, so she got pretty much the whole the whole fill of, of Eric at, in, in restaurant mode and that kind of thing. And <laughs> then he bought her a margarita on the way home. They gave you to-go cups, plastic to-go cups with a top and a straw and more full of margarita. And they're like, here you go. Be, bye. Have a good day. Yeah, I think there was a tip that was part of that. <laughs> she drank that on the way home. And uh, I could tell it, it was it was no time at all. And she's starting to act. Yeah, she. it was kicking in. It kicked in just that quick. And I'm like, you're not going home tonight, are you? She's like, well, I don't really want to stay in the camper. I'm like, well, what do you want to do? She said, well, I think I'm just going to stay in the camper. <laughs> so <laughs> she uh, she had a pretty good time. It, it never fails, though. So I'm glad she had a good time because typically when we go camping together, it's shitty weather. It's cold. It's raining. It just never matters. We never have a good time when we go camping. So she actually had a good time at the fly-in and, and stayed in the camper and everything went well with it. So I was super happy about that. Yeah. Yeah, I saw I saw her out there having conversations and whatnot with the various ladies and what uh they're attending. She even talked to Rich. She said, Man, you have got to avoid that rich guy because he fucking talks all the goddamn time. Yep. Uh Mike's not on Rich. Is it on now? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I enjoy talking to her. It was fun to finally meet her. No, she had a good time talking to you. I'm just messing with you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Back on to no, I'm looking. I'm looking forward for you know they say they're gonna do more heli events there. I'm looking forward to it. It's not that far, and uh, you know if they got more passing zones on my travel there than uh, than they do on my on my travel to some of my other fields uh, to the driveway with the motorcycle. Uh, getting in is uh, not bad. Uh, I was gonna ask you about that. 
leaving that field on the motorcycle was something different. I didn't want to stop at the top of the hill or partially on the hill in the dark. I couldn't see well when I left after dark. And it's gravel. It's gravel. So I stopped at the bottom of the hill and just basically watched for the glow of headlights. And I could, I, after a couple of rounds of cars passing, I figured out what it looked like when a car was approaching and I jumped out on the road with no problems. Yeah, I was thinking it. about that too because I was like, I would love to ride my bike there, and then I like, I looked at that hill, I was like, oh, that's gonna, I'm not that experienced yet. It's a, uh, it'd be comfortable on that. It's funny how much how much uh, gravel is kind of turned up getting out of there, and I can tell why now because people keep getting on top of that hill and then stomping on the gas to get out. <laughs> turned up, but turned up. So moving along, listener questions and feedback. First up, emails. Stephen Hoover wrote us. Uh, He wrote, Hello, Telerotor crew. In the Spectrum FBL review, I heard your discussion about sourcing a CGY to test. Currently, I have a new CGY 755 sitting on the shelf that I was wanting to try try some time since I got a Fataba radio, but it won't be happening for a while. If you want to borrow it, I'd gladly send it to you and could even send a Fataba 3001 receiver along if that helps. Um, we have, so I'm going to answer that and say, thank you for the offer. We have CGYs available to us. His next part was, which version did you update the 6250 to? Does anybody remember what version of the firmware? It was whatever the latest version was on the website for. (laughs) It was probably, it was probably longer than, than its name. Yeah, probably. It was the, um. Version five point two three seven two three five point dash five three one. Yeah, it was the uh, the latest beta rev at the time. It was the NXT control loops, the fancy ones. Okay, so Stephen, we can't tell you the exact version we're using, but uh, we recorded in August, and I know we finished up the flying before the jamboree began and Nats began, which would have begin would have been in been the second week of August and it was probably about a month before that when Mike updated it so it would have been sometime it, we updated in June July so it would have been that time frame we got that update does that drive about right with the times you're thinking of Mike y'all keep going I'm going to get the change notes uh, he wrote uh, he continued writing at Spring Fling I was trying that FBL on my V1 Spectre and was having a drift on the elevator that I blamed on a trial vi- trial vibration i'm gonna guess he goes with tail vibration which that helicopter had from new but the brain 2 fbl handled nicely now i'm wondering if it wasn't the if it was the fact that i don't know jack squad about tuning and was pretty well running default canes thanks for all the great information you guys share p.s sorry about the lyles typing skills english was not my favorite lesson in school and now i'm regretting not putting more effort into it <laughs> <laughs> The tail, that tail vibration or whatever he was talking about, uh, or that drift could, could be really anything. It could be the gyro tape he was using on each gyro. It could be, uh, the way the gyro handles the, uh, handles vibration. I know the brain can handle a lot of vibration because, uh, so it may, you may not notice that where certain other gyros react to slight bobbles and wobbles and, and vibration and high frequencies and like that. So it could be, it could be a, a vibration in the gyro or in the, in the model where the brain didn't care, but the the spectrum did. Yeah, uh, it could be tuning stuff too, because it if you run it right at stock, I mean, could you're gonna be chasing a lot of issues. 
Yeah, yeah. but I mean, there, there's there's many factors out mm-hmm. there. I mean, those are some there. You know, tuning could be one of them. Um, there, there's a lot of factors out there that, that could be why it may not be the actual. Yeah, <clears throat> 5.6 NXT. 5.6 NXT. Cool. Um, I know. What's your thoughts, guys, on that? The model, every time we test a controller, usually gets two to maybe four flights per person times four of us. You're talking, you know, 16 flights. Uh, at times, the Protos does show vibration in the rotor head, but usually more RPM solves it. <laughs> mm. um, and so the gyro does it, didn't exhibit any issues with 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 the Protos. So I can't necessarily I can't necessarily speak from experience to say that the gyro does not handle vibration well. I couldn't I couldn't say that about it. Um, it's a possibility, but it's it's a possibility. It, it, yeah. uh, you know, you, Stephen mentions that he he may have had tail drift or tail vibration or tail drift. Well, he mentioned having fa- tail vibrations with the brain, but he said it handled it. He said he's uh, having a drift on the elevator blamed on the tail vibration. So he's having a drift on the elevator. Wouldn't uh, a tail vibration cause elevator? Uh, I have a hard book. I have a hardbound book around here that I write notes in, and I don't know where it's at now because I haven't lived out motor, of my backpack. Motor can cause aileron drift. He said elevator. I know, he but el- so yeah, but aileron can, or el- motor can cause aileron drift. I think that's what he said. It was aileron drift or elevator. Oh gosh, I don't know now. Heli wobbles on elevator. If belted, check and replace the belt. If torque tube, check gear to shaft fitment. Yeah. Aileron wobble. Check rotor head thrust bearings. Aileron wobble. Check washers and head for deformation. Tail wag. All RPMs and gains in hover. Check main shaft bearings. Aileron roll in hover. Check motor bearings. Yes, that's what it was. Bad swash bearings caused tail drift. Did he say what helicopter tail, it was? Tail wag. Uh, V1 Spectre. Tail wag. Tail wag may be caused by support hanger. Tail wag may be caused by links being too tight. Those are all things you guys can't see because it's blurring it out. Those are all things that uh, I've written down from experience causing drift. Um, it's not endless. I've probably seen more and not written it down. But No, I, I can't say that that's probably the cause of it or if that gyro is bothered by vibration. Um, we have CGYs. Thanks for the offer. And uh, 5.6 NXT. And to be honest, the thing was, is I think all of us were pretty clear that uh, the lack of gain, the helicopter felt like a no bar. <laughs> it just, <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. It just, it didn't, it, it, it just let physics do what physics does. The gyro didn't do anything to correct it. In the words of Mike DePaulo, is the gyro on question mark? <laughs> I mean, actually, though. <laughs> uh, next emails from Jamie Carpenter. Ooh, he wrote, he wrote. He said, hi, guys. I thought I'd email you to say that the podcast is really good. I love that you all go into the proper technical detail with the content. The format and interaction between you all is great. Yours is probably the best I've heard. I was listening to the charging podcast in my car where I was driving my 83-year-old dad to his first time at a planker field. It's the only place I can fly with others, but they are exactly as you described. Plankers, a bit odd and generally have some weird dislike for helicopters. 
and DePaulo started going on about buck converters, etc. And my dad lit up at that point. He was an electronics <laughs> engineer all his career from the U.S. Navy in the 50s of being a civilian contractor for the United States Air Force, retiring in the U.K. So him hearing another American talking proper electronics was great to him. DePaulo was clearly <laughs> enthusiastic about electronics. It was great to hear. Hey, DePaulo. I'm in the UK and don't have any ha- have any heli clubs near me at all, so I'm pretty isolated. Generally, flying by myself. It's nice listening to you all as instead of reading a bunch of experts talking helicopters on Facebook or Heli Freak, who you have no idea who they really are. You guys are pros, and it's nice to have a source of proper information. I think I get discouraged from flying as it does feel pretty lonely. RC cars doesn't take too much effort to find a few people, and you don't know you don't know to go bashing with. Yeah. Airplanes, well, my local clubs are plankers only. I had, and I feel guilty flying there with them as I, as we can't have helis and planes flying at the same time. So if I fly, no one else can. Then I start thinking, you know what? Planes are easier to fly, cheaper, more people do it. And I start leaning toward that. But then I listen to Hillerotor and feel like, no, these are my people. This is my clan. Then think about what I can get out, charge my lipos, and tip some blade farts as soon as I can. <laughs> blade farts. <laughs> this is a weird show tonight. A question I have for you, if you don't mind, though, is how do you guys deal with weather? I know there was a podcast about winter flying, clothes, etc., but I'm thinking more about wind. I know you mainly fly 700s, and I have heard they deal with wind much better, but how much? I hate not being able to fly due to the weather, and often think that it would be nice to have a larger heli. I only have a T-Rex 470 at the moment, but there will be a lot of hours on it. I just don't know any better. It seems like everyone is buying the raw 420s, so won't they have problems with wind more than their larger helis, too? Also, there is a point where you feel less stressed flying. Generally, you find flying planes much more relaxing and possibly boring and often get moaned at for flying too aggressively. Problem is I want to keep it interesting. Is that what you guys feel like now? Like you need to do some hardcore 3D to keep it interesting and generally flight is easy? But anyway, thanks for the great content and probably the biggest thing, the time you all dedicate to making these shows. You all must have very understanding wives slash girlfriends. Thanks, Jamie Carpenter. Ha, what girlfriend? <laughs> How do you fly in the weather, and do the helis get any different? Um, Size does matter. They auto way better when it's windy. Yeah. <laughs> they do auto better with wind. But he said he's got a 470, so. I would say um, try finding the heaviest battery possible, as big as possible, to put on your 470 in the wind. It'll increase the disc loading. Um it won't get blown around quite the same, but the weight will add power, uh, add power consumption a small bit. But I'd say add weight to it. That may help with the wind. Yes, bigger helis deal with wind better. Um, doing 3D with them will. You stand the helicopter up in various orientations to the wind, and the wind will take off. I was just going to say, wind direction plays a huge role. You know, when you're flying, whether it's it's the only place I don't really like it, so it's on my face. Yeah the 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 big thing I would say is for me, a windy day, a windy day in various with the wind coming from various directions can actually be very beneficial. Uh, but it takes friends helping me to tell me because I don't automatically pick it up. Uh, for example, uh, doing an axial roll across the field. Um, 
if the wind is behind the helicopter, axial rolls, like if the wind is blowing from right to left and I do an axial roll right to left, yeah, there's no, there's no compensation for the wind in the helicopter. But if the wind is blowing in my face and I do that same axial roll right to left, I actually have to use the collective. So when the helicopter's knife edge to basically push or uh, to, to push or pull. Basically, um, if the wind's coming at my face and I, and I roll the helicopter away from me, then I have to stay in the positive so that the helicopter counters for the wind and doesn't get blown in. When you go inverted, there's not much compensation for the wind. You're, you're doing the collective to keep the model from descending. But then when you show the wind, the bottom side of your rotor disc, I'm in the negative collecting, pushing the helicopter into that wind. So I keep my line. I kept getting blown in and I wasn't really thinking about it. And our great friend Ben's like, uh, you need to compensate with collective when you're knife edge. And he told me to do it. It wasn't hard for me to do, but it took a friend telling me. Um, as Cliff said, wind is easier for autos. Dude, a windy day is the first thing I go for is autos. You fly a 470, uh, 470s can be autoed. <laughs> take, a, take advantage of a windy day and go auto a 470. Get some parts, go auto a 470. Other things with wind, uh, FAI for F3C and N, and I'm going to go with freedom units here, uh, about 17 miles per hour, continuous wind, competition has to stop. If the wind is blowing in from behind you or at your face. So if the wind's blowing down the runway, <laughs> contest doesn't stop. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, you know, gotta go fly. If it's windy out, gotta go fly. Um, and that's part of the fun of it. Uh, uh, you know, you said, do you get bored with maneuvers and keep having to push things? Kind of like you said, the planes are relaxing. I like to fly planes in relaxing manners. Apollo and Shaggy like to try and torture planes. Um. I mix it up, man. Mix it up. Yeah, I, uh. Go out and do stall turns in the wind, doing the wrong way and the right way, and learn to counter with collective. Take the take the opportunity with the wind to learn how to put the helicopter exactly where you want it and keep it there. I think it all sums up to take advantage of it to 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 have it challenge you to put the helicopter you want it to be at and keep it there. I think that's what I'll just sum it up with, because um, some of the best pilots we ever see fly. It doesn't matter the weather condition or what's going on in the environment. They put the helicopter exactly where they want it. It's not an accident for where the helicopter's at or it just happened to be there. It's there because they put it there. Anybody want to fight me on that one? No. It's, <laughs> you, I mean, to learn to fly in the wind, you just have to go fly in the wind. Yeah. Um, I will tell you that there comes a point where it's uncomfortable. If it's blowing the helicopter at me, or when the helicopter is either spinning up or spinning down, when I'm barely having any control of it and it can blow it over, that's where my comfort zone ends with wind. Otherwise, I'll fly. Uh, yeah, I, I forgot who I was talking to during Hanover about the lesson on the auto. Um, full scale helicopters, when things are going wrong on the on the on the pad, mm -hmm. they don't try and use the cyclic, cyclic to mm -hmm. keep it level and planted collective drop the collective mm -hmm. <laughs> stop dorking around with the cyclic i actually remember who was talking to he was talking to braxton 
Um, yeah. <laughs> give it negative collective. Stop screwing around with the cyclic and give it negative collective. It'll stay on the ground. Um, but yeah, if you got a choppy wind or I don't know the right conditions for the wind to be making the model dive up and down a couple feet, which makes it scary to be close to the ground. Okay, that was he. That was emails. And then there was a Discord question. General chat. Discord question on... Because I said it was from... Oh. We got a couple questions in here. Uh, SV. Took a year off flying and just catching up on some of the previous podcasts. In the episode on charging, you mentioned a few places that make... The smaller cases, but I wasn't able to catch the names. Could you list a few here so I could look them up? Thanks. Great podcast, by the way. Mike answered back with uh, KC3D, um, which is probably the leading small design I know of right now on the field. I don't know if anybody knows of any other ones. You can make your own. You know, uh, Eric, I can't remember the name. Uh, I don't know, Case Medics or something like that. But you have to put it together. You buy all the stuff. He gets the the uh, deck and he sends it to you and you put it all together. I think uh, Keith makes everything for you. Keith makes the stuff and I think you can either assemble it or can you ask him to do it, Mike? He does both. Yeah. I would recommend getting somebody else to do it because it is a pain in the ass wiring all that stuff up. Yeah, I did one of the RC, or what is the, uh, what's his name? Um, Joe? Oh, the guy, yeah, Joe down in Florida. He's, he will sell you his cases that way. And I bought one for a buddy of mine, or a buddy of mine bought one I built for him. Are those kitchen. little? Uh, they can be. He makes little ones. Okay. Yeah, he makes little ones because he, uh, he actually uh, yeah, uh, gave one. some to uh, Thornburg for a raffle. And yeah, I yeah, have one of them. Yeah, Shaggy got one of them. I remember Joe assembled them. Uh, Joe and Mike assembled them at the table mm. before the event started years ago. 903 Nanook case with uh, ISDT Q6 with a Meanwhile 150 watt power supply. I've always, the ones I, the dual channel ones I've always done and sold for people are uh, dual Q8s. Yeah, when are you going to send me those files, bruh? I want to print one. You actually going to make them? I want to make one, yes. I want to get rid of my uh, 306B because that thing's a time bomb right now. Who knows when that's going to go out? Dude, if you're going to get rid of your 306B, I'll take it from you. Get the whole, yeah, your whole TAM case. Because <laughs> uh, those power next, supplies are old. Anyway, let's go. Next question. Monty, you mentioned helicopter physics briefly. Now a heli will try to roll an aileron when pulling out of a stall turn. Would the same thing happen during a big loop? Yes. Because I have a hard time keeping the model tracking straight through a loop, and I always thought I might not have it level at the start of the loop. If it is a heli wanting to roll on me, would increasing the eye gain, eye gain help with that? Mike? As in, it doesn't appear to be rolling correctly? No, uh, you're doing a loop. Just a big old loop. Vertical loop. And the model, you get like... One of the things I notice, if I sit there and do continuous loops in front of myself, the helicopter will start to travel out. Or if I'm going the other way, it'll travel in. Well, I mean, you're going to have a lot of thrust coming off of the tail, especially when you're loading the head. 
There's, there's going to be a significant amount of thrust coming off of that. Not to mention any wind or any tilt that might be in it. It's going to cause it to drift away from you. I mean, really, eye gain on the head is going to be one of those... Um, can you push it into continuous flips and does it hold the speed? Or does it drift? Or if you put the thing into a nose-down attitude and just push collective into it, does it start to drift on you, like drift up or drift down? Drifting in a loop, there's a lot of other variables on there. Um, so when I started observing this, Steve, uh, I actually started doing loops uh, tail in, like flying loops tail into myself. And that's how I could observe that a heli is pretty constant on how it wants to roll. Just slowly but surely, it will start to uh, cause the model to more like corkscrew. It doesn't actually come out exactly in the same place that it went in. Um, you fly the loop enough, you'll just start to counter with aileron. <laughs> um, you'll start to counter with aileron. So, yeah, I just give it more stick. Do pilot stuff. Because, yeah, like like Mike is saying, I gain isn't necessarily going to hold it in its place. Uh, Eric actually answered to that and said, yeah, probably tail rotor thrust. If it's left side to you, it'll constantly push back to you. If right side to you, it'll likely go away. AccuRC in real flight simulated nicely. HeliX somehow does too. Next does not simulate it. Thus, you have to use all four channels and control them all the time to make a loop. As Eric said, there is some pilot stuff actually left to do in this hobby. It's weird. <laughs> I laugh. I'm saying that sarcastically. Yeah. Um, the gyros aren't doing everything. Um, uh, it's quite a tough maneuver to learn. Uh, one of those which everybody can do on their first day without control, but it's very hard to control it and do, for example, 10 loops in a row, keeping them in the same place. Yes. I very much agree with Eric on that one. Do two, 10 continuous loops uh, with the bottom and top of it centered with yourself, you know, side in. And we're, you know, just watch how they, just watch how they, they, they turn to crap second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth loop end. Um, FAI, the F3C actually used to have two continuous loops as a maneuver uh, over a decade ago. And it got pulled out of a contest that's happening this next weekend in uh, Florida, but I will not be attending. And um, yeah, no, second loop looks like shit compared to the first. <laughs> um, okay. Did we get any iTunes reviews? No, no iTunes reviews. Uh, Podbean. We do have stuff there. Okay. Uh, Matt RC wrote, Hi guys, coming back in the hobby after a really long break, about eight years. Kept most of my stuff, but needed to update my radio and fly bars. Fly bars. Was flying a V-bar pre-NEO, but decided against V-control since I wanted the ability to fly other things without being stuck to using only NEOs as receivers. Went with the Fataba 16iZ and the CGY760R. Can you help provide best practice or best way to program the conditions in 16iZ for bank switching? The CGY, gains, rates, etc. from ILOP switches. Um, I suggested starting with... Uh, the Nick Maxwell videos. Um, he said he's unable to get the link to work, but he muddled his way through using AFR for five conditions tied to flight mode. Then made the AFR aux one channel 16, got everything to work. We'll look at Monty's video and setup to see if I can set up 16 as you use conditions, banks for V-bar, Silverline. Um, yeah, so Matt, you actually used one of the second ways that you can control banks from a, from a Fataba transmitter is to use AFR on an unused channel. Um 
I usually repurpose the elevator gain channel, which I want to say is channel 10. Um, and then I control it through the gyro menu for uh, bank switching. Um, or yeah, you can just use an unused channel and use AFR. And the last comment I will not read until we go to the main topic. So I'm going to leave this spot. I don't, we got no new comments on Facebook that I know of. Uh, FBL project news, two FBL controllers remain, the Spirit and the CGY 760. Uh, we borrowed the Spirit GTR and a Jetty transmitter, and uh, this thing has become a whore, spelled W-H-O-R-E. Um, the previous, the current owner of this Jetty transmitter is Steve Yoon. The previous owner was... Yay! Sorry. It was Rich. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one where I caught up with him coming out of Urcha and at a gas station and kept yelling at everybody saying he was carrying a bomb. <laughs> Dude, I can't believe you actually did that. I'm surprised you weren't freaking hauled away. <laughs> help me! Help me! <laughs> Every uh, single drive through on the way to Urcha, man. We, we stopped calling Cliff after that. <laughs> Cliff is as bad. Cliff is as bad on the phone as I am on video here. <laughs> yeah, and he's a bad influence to Lamont too. Next time you get a chance, uh, ask Lamont about how Joe and I had him on the phone for about an hour, thinking that Joe and I were in Joe's basement working on stuff. <laughs> <laughs> as we pull up to, all right, Lamont, we're gonna have to call you back. We just pulled into the A man. He's like, hold on, now you just did what? <laughs> 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 Um, now I had fun this week going to get the, uh, the, the gear from Steve. I, uh, rode my motorcycle cause, uh, one of my cars is with my daughter Why her car is in the shop. And so I'm down to just a motorcycle during the days. And yeah, I, uh, I actually fit the, the transmitter case in my side bag, uh, to go pick it up from Steve and then, uh, fit it. This, I had, I actually brought it in the house and then put it back in the bag next day and took it to, uh, Cliff. When in doubt, more bungee cords. Uh, no bungee cord needed, but only a half roll on the on the lip of the side bag, though, instead of like three full rolls for waterproof. Yeah, it took him, half pyro in there. It took him eight hours to get bundled up enough to be able to come out on the motorcycle, though. <laughs> yeah, it was cold. Okay. Heat of gear, bro. Moving on to the main topic, fear. <laughs> Let's get this started. So, this topic was suggested by Flyright RC. Lou, Lewis, suggested this. Um, uh, he, he was picking our brains during Hanover event, and he brought this up. Uh, what he brought up specifically was, do you all ever get over the fear of flying the helicopter, of RC helicopter? And uh, I, I was like, you know what? I could, I could definitely, we could definitely talk about that for an hour. Fear. Uh, what's that? You can get over it, but when a guy comes running out with a camera and says that he's going to put you on YouTube, it comes back again. That means <laughs> just throw it down even harder, bro. Um, so no, first, that means uh, you, you smash it. You, you want you want people to watch the video, so you smash it immediately. <laughs> that gets the views. <laughs> 
Nah, nah, man. First, first you gotta go get your uh, your bag of white courage and you get on the table like this. You like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's go. All right, time to do pirouettes. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Pirouette. Let's go. <laughs> you all want some crack? So first, I want to thank. First, I want to thank uh, Lou for uh, giving us uh, giving us giving us some uh, giving us a question. Uh, you know, I really appreciate that. And uh, for others out there, please write us. Uh, yeah. So <clears throat> first up I wrote is what scares us while flying? Um, I wrote, I think I wrote trying new maneuvers. Um, I definitely remember flying in front of spectators. I remember that one. And being judged during competition flights. That's the what's the more recent one that, that can get me. You guys think of any others that scare you while flying that like raises your anxiety? Flying in front of judges thing after I got over the first one really wasn't all that bad. It was more of a Alright, I have to throw down if I want to beat Diamante kind of thing and I stopped thinking about the fear part. After that I'll be straight that the thing that probably, I wouldn't say so much fear, but nerves. Uh-huh. Um, every time I've been asked to go spank the lizard jet as hard as I can in front of a ton of people. Demo. Yeah. Because not only is, okay, I have to do a nice job. Not really thinking about that one too much, but yeah, that's, that's four grand. I'm about to just sling it around like a complete asshole. You don't want to make a fool of yourself, pretty much. Uh, it's just nerves, and the thing is, it's it's a biological response to it. Meanwhile, I'm in my head saying, this is just going to be the usual rudimentary nonsense. Yeah. So I will totally go off in a corner and, like, chill myself out. But, oh, no, straight up, like, you can feel, like, the kind of nerves, like, if you go back to the first time you took your driving test or the lie, if you ever went through college with real nasty exams, you that gut-wrenching, uh, impending doom feeling... As you're waiting for the professor to pass the exams out and just know your reckoning is at hand. Yeah, Monty probably remembers that recently. I didn't have to do exams like that. I, th- I think that some of this first stuff, when, you know, when we were talking to him, Monty, we, we talked about it a little bit. But there's a fear that some guys have, and I'm one of those, that every time I put the helicopter down, I get a knot in my stomach. Just a little one now. It used to be a lot bigger. Um I do not get that knot in my stomach when I fly an airplane. I'll go out and fly an airplane, tumble it around, roll it, loop it, let it fly across the sky, scratch my ass, whatever. And it doesn't bother me. I don't get a knot in my stomach. Um, you can fly helis more, man. But I put, I do that. I, I never feel that comfortable with a helicopter in the air, ever. You scratch your ass with the antenna of that spectrum radio, right? No, it, at that point, it's just time because I'll go out there with a little plane. I'll go out there with a big plane someone hands me, and I'm – the thing is I fly the little 60-inch plane around like an asshole constantly. So I'm so used to something that's way twitchier. So picking up a 120cc plane, it feels like you're flying molasses. Yeah. But it's still, it's like, yeah, that's, that's no, $4,500. And I, and I said if I fly something big and expensive, I don't get that same – naughty feeling but i do get some nerves i mean it's i don't have any real big airplanes my airplanes are all small um because i don't have many of them because i do helicopters and not airplanes um but like my qq i never get nervous flying that 
Um, I, I I don't know. It's just hours, Rich. At that, but point. if I get up in the air, there I rarely land, and my hands aren't shaking a little bit. It doesn't matter whether I'm just out practicing hovering, out practicing aerobatic maneuvers, or if I'm just out farting around and flying around. And it's, you know, it's at that always point, that I've seen it a couple of times in different hobbies too, in bikes or, or competitive shooting or uh, wave runners or anything like that. It's it's a it's a matter of time and hours and. Getting out of your own head because you're always going to be like that if you don't have the confidence. Oh, I yeah. even if you're just hovering, if you always think the damn thing's going to explode or come back or murder you, then yeah, that's also another one is your confidence in the model. That's another fear that I've had many times because I've had a model just explode on me. Oh yeah, I've had multiple it a couple times. times in my face. And, it's lots of fun. Well, you know, I've had I've had it multiple times and. 2016 was a rough year for me because I damn near got out of the hobby because that Robert knows that all too well of how disappointed I was not being able to get anything going. Uh, and I just – I had this fear that – I had this fear where the gyro controlled me. I didn't control the gyro. So, like I – if I felt like if I did something, a certain maneuver, the model was just going to fall out of the sky. And I, I I had that recently with the raw uh, because you know and I, I take full responsibility. This was my fault because I didn't I, I didn't either I either I didn't clean the screws properly or the Loctite wasn't good that I was using. I don't know, but I kept on having you know screws coming loose and I'm losing parts and the model's crashing. I lost confidence in that and I I had a fear of going out there and flying it because. Okay, is something else going to come loose? What if it comes at me or someone else? It's a safety concern at that point. So I had that fear. Now, I have got to the point where I feel confident with it. It's not falling apart anymore. I've got that issue fixed and I can go have fun with it. I'm, I'm getting confident in the model again. So that's always, that's a fear that I, and I that's always going to be there. If I start having a model where I'm having problem at the problem at the problem, that fear is going to come back and it's taking me, it's going to take me a while to, to shake that and get confident with the heli again and not just the heli a plane as well is that an actual fear or is that just confidence in the model well i mean it's a fear because i fear something's going to happen to the model as i'm flying it is it going to fall apart is something going to shake loose is it going to explode or is it going to crash is it going to hit someone not having confidence in something is fear and i look at i look at my models or you know i will be I will not have confidence in doing wheelies with the bike, or I will be afraid of doing wheelies with the bike. Well, I'll tell you what. If I've got a helicopter, I don't have confidence, or I think it's going to hurt somebody, I'm not flying it. It's not going to be in the air. I'm not saying it can't come apart or something's wrong, but if before I put it in the air, if I don't have confidence it's going to fly, where it's a safety factor, it's not flying. Well, here's the thing. Okay, let's say you had an issue that was... Just weird. I mean, it, maybe not quite a safety issue or nothing really bad happened, but it, it freaked you out. And okay, let's say I, I had the screw issue where the screws kept on coming loose and I had the model. I had control of the heli and I was able to auto it down every single time, mm-hmm. but it tipped over and it broke something. Yeah. But, um, but I, it got to the point where it's like, okay, I fixed that issue. I cleaned all the screws thoroughly and I relocked everything. Theoretically, this Solve the issue because that was the issue. Screws were coming loose. So what do you do? You clean the screws off better. You use fresh Loctite. Um, and it wasn't the amount that I was putting on that I was worried about. I know how much I should put on. Yeah. So that I wasn't worried about that. So theoretically, the model, it should be perfectly fine. 
but it took me several flights to get comfortable again. Oh, I get that. That comfortable this, level, but I, I think what Lou is talking about is is flying though, not not It's progression, yeah, yes. Not, That's where I was just gonna go back to. So because when we were to, when when we were talking with him, he specifically was talking about: Do you guys ever get comfortable flying? Do you ever not fear when you put the helicopter in the air? Do you ever get really yeah, comfortable? Yeah, plenty of times. Like when we just start doing dumb stuff, where I mean, if you're just doing regular flying, well, that's a very relative term. If you're doing flying, actually, you know what? I know Augie used to use and still probably uses the term instinctive flying, or whatever the hell he says, right? Um. The way I've always thought of it is, if I can stand next to you and hold a conversation without blanking and flying, then you could say that what I'm doing with my fingers is, a lot of it is unconscious. I don't have to think about what my fingers are doing. If you're at that point, then you're not thinking about what you're doing. You're focused on other things. You're not afraid of it anymore. You've gotten to the point where... You can put your mind on other things. So, fear with flying, I would say, uh, you can be uncomfortable with it, but to be truly afraid of something means something's causing that. And a lot of times, fear is irrational. So, you have to figure out, okay, what's causing it, right? So, a lot of times, people will be afraid of trying anything new, and I tell them, well... Don't fly three feet off the ground in a hover and try something. It's going to end badly. It's terrifying to do that. Go up 20 or 30 feet. Or you can rationalize the fear away by saying, okay, I want to try a new maneuver. So I'm going to have someone who's really good at flying buddy box me. So if something goes tits up, then, well, the fear of crashing is, you know, a lot of that's alleviated. You've got a safety net or you've got rescue or something. A lot of times fear is fear of the unknown. You don't know what's going to happen. Can you save it? I don't know. That's terrifying. And then there's the fear of the consequence. If you don't pull it out of the bag, it hits the ground. And if it was a 700, well, you know, that's like four or $500. And how many hours or days of you don't get to fly anymore. So there's a lot of negative reinforcement then. So if you're trying to deal with legitimate fear, I would say a lot of the solutions come from why are you right. afraid? Figure out the right. reason. Are you, are you scared for the money? Are you scared you're going to hurt somebody? Are you scared you're going to have to rebuild it? What is the reason why you're scared? Oh, I'll be honest with you. Like, there's times where I go to put the lizard up in the air, and my brain's just like, LOL, time for awful thoughts. And it's just like images of this thing cartwheeling down the field in a fireball. And I'm like, that's really not something I'd like to be thinking about right now. Please stop that. Yeah. That lump in my stomach I was talking about, and I think it's similar to what he was talking about when he was talking to us, um, is not from fear that I'm worried I'm going to crash the helicopter right away. And Monty's buddy box meal when I was trying things when I was just, I was like, dude, get on, you know, buddy box with me a minute. When Remember, Monty, when we were doing that, when I was flying your canopy, when, I don't know what it was now, but I've had you buddy box me before and something I was uncomfortable doing just to start it. Um one of my best experiences was learning to do funnels with Ben Storick at the uh, um, Align class. I didn't have any fear at all trying things because somebody else was on the box. I had no fear. I still had shaky fingers. I don't think that was more because I was flying with Ben Storick. Um, but I quickly overcame that after a little while. And so 
but I still had the knot in my stomach when I set the helicopter down to go take off. I have it every time. So it's never a point that I'm super comfortable. Now, when I say that, if I take my Oxy-2 out, I never have a lump in my stomach. I never have a, you know, I, I'll just put it up if it... I, so does that mean I'm afraid of crashing? Because every time I put anything else down? Or is it... It's not a fear of the model. I'm not afraid of getting hit by the model. I mean, I'm, I don't want to get by a model. But what I mean is I'm not afraid of... That I'm going to worry that something's going to happen or I'm going to do something. I have enough control that I'm not worried I'm going to, I'm going to hit myself or hit somebody else. In, you know what I mean? So where does that lump in my stomach come from every time I put a model down to start flying? Um, and I have some expensive models. And I do... You know, I still fly them. So it's not... I mean, I don't want to crash them because we spend so many hours building and crap is more what I'm worried about in a crash. Um, where's it come from? I think is also another point worth is uh, to mention again the what causes the you know rationalization of fury is the other direction of you can rationalize it away, namely uh, your oxy too. You still might get shaky fingers from it. But at the same time, your brain is telling you, you know, the, the conscious part of your brain is, well, this thing is cheap. Um, if it hits the ground, no one's going to care. I can do dumb stuff with it. It doesn't get away from me crazy fast. You know, this is the same way where your typical person, you know, getting in the backseat of Casey's stunt plane and going up with him and doing flat turns and everything else and, and dropouts and hammerheads and all that, you know, the monkey part of your brain is going to say, Oh my God! Why are we looking up at the ground? That's not normal. Yeah, but on the flip side, you know, the rational part of my brain is telling me it's like, well, um, Casey's got a lot of hours. I've been in planes like this plenty of times, and even if everything goes wrong, I'm still somewhat in control because I have a parachute. Maybe so. Yeah, maybe subconsciously, the reason I don't mind crash. You guys, every almost every time I fly the Oxy two, I crash it. Right, almost every time. Um, I, I will crash it within three or four batteries every time. Yeah, but how much does it cost to put it back? It's not about, th that's what I mean. That, that particular thing is not the cost and I'm not nervous about it. Time then? And I fly it to crash it? I don't know. I, I, I see Monty making well, a favor. What about time to fix it? Because for me, time to the fix fear kind of a pain, but. comes from if I plow one of my big helis, I'm OCD about making sure it flies right because I will tell you that you know, maybe it's not worth getting half-decent helicopters because you're going to be able to hear when a blade is half a degree out of pitch because of something being bent, and it's going to drive you absolutely crazy. Um, but, like, a lot of my reservation about trying your stuff or getting real smacky on the deck is, like, you know, if I plow this, it's going to be not so much the money. That part's not a concern for me so much as... Uh, this thing isn't going to fly for like two or three weeks at minimum. And even then I'm probably still going to find stuff. So. I think Mike brings up an interesting point in that. What is it that's driving the anxiety or the fear? I mean, uh, you know, for a lot of, for, for, Flying outside of F3C, uh, so when I'm flying the 520 or I'm flying the 700 and doing 3D, I would say it's pretty much the cost to smash it. 
That's what drives my fear because I don't want to spend the money. Yeah, you know, I would honestly say you could summarize it as I even just said it a minute ago was that you can call fear irrational, but it usually isn't. There's always something behind it that causes it somewhere. I agree. So how do you? So I'm, I'm going to continue and I'll get to your question, Rich. When it comes to flying F3C or F3N, it usually my anxiety is more driven around don't screw up, kind of like a test. Don't screw up. And and that's where I would say that anxiety, because I've come to learn the model isn't really in danger when I'm doing F3C. The biggest time it's in danger is the end of the auto rotation. And I've learned my lesson having smacked a bird during an auto rotation when I did it wrong. I really didn't smack a bird. I touched down too hard and it tipped over and smashed its rotor head. But um, landed is what's what's a. Uh, golf, play it, play it where it lays. You don't pick it up and move it. So in the auto rotation, if you don't make it back to the circle, fly it to where it's going to go to. Don't force it and just accept it what it is. The auto was screwed from the beginning. <laughs> yeah, because for an F3C model, even a botched auto, now yours is an exception. You don't have a fuselage, but a fuselage model, that's bad. Like that's it is. thousands of dollars. And that's one of the reasons I don't fly fuses is because I don't want the I don't I, I know I don't do autos perfect enough often enough to be practicing and competing with fuselage for the fuselage with an F three C fuse I don't practice and do it enough and that's what drives up my anxiety um, sometimes in that anxiety like one of the things I put down to remediate that anxiety is I've added more expo. <laughs> In the hovering maneuvers, I've added more expo. Um, when I'm doing 3D and I'm anxious because of the way I, because uh, of my style of flying, there's times I will let my fingers get light to the touch on the sticks. I'm not holding those sticks for for pure death, but I'm also not flying like Shaggy or Depalo does, where I'm pure flipping every second. Or you know, as Bert's described many times, he makes his thumbs bleed. He's pushing down so hard on the sticks yeah that's that's something i always try to stay away from it's, it's like if i start getting anxious or something same thing like god i remember taking tests in college like i mean some of like the most heinous signals and systems and applications tests like holy crap some of those questions were evil and you'd look at it and your brain immediately even if you're prepared for it would just start going to dark places like oh i'm so dead this is and you know what if you let yourself go down that it just train wrecks everything. It does. It's, it's hard to recover. You immediately, and it comes with flying too, is you have to immediately talk yourself out of that. Like, why? Okay, why am I doing this? This is stupid. You know, flying test, whatever. I have prepared for this. You know, like last year, um, yeah, last last year at Nats, I, it got to the point where I was letting the round control me, where I would look at the scores and see where I was at. And that was controlling my, my, my flights because I would see I need to do this good to get back on top. And I botched it. And it got to the point where the second to last round, I literally said, screw it. I'm not looking at the score. I don't care about the score. I'm just going to go out there and have fun. I don't care about anybody around me. And I put the best flight of the, of, of the whole round. I, I beat everyone in that, well, that particular round I did. I didn't win. I didn't place any higher. But if I would have had that mindset, I would have done way better. Yeah. But I let it. I let it get to me. See, I think 
the type of fear that I'm talking about where I've got a knot on my stomach every time I set a helicopter down is really different than the fear. And I'm not going to even use the word fear because that's not what it is. The nerves or anxiety I have when I'm flying in front of judges. And I have some experience. I don't think any of you have. I have competed at very high level in competition, um, in international competition, in archery. I have sit on the line where team scores or, you know, our entire team's progress in a, in a competition laid on me putting in a 10 or dropping a nine, um, with some of the best archers in the world on your shoulder. Um, so I have felt that high level anxiety. I have also set in training sessions with psychiatrists, you know, teaching you biofeedback, how to stop your heart, slow your heartbeat, not stop it, but slow your heartbeat. Um, so you can keep your arm from bumping so you don't throw arrows. Um, they taught us how to think through when you're sitting on that pressure, when you got J bar standing next to you and you're, you know, inside, you know, a, a contest and it's just you and he, and you, every single arrow has got to be a 10 until one of you drop a nine or whatever. And you're sitting there and in my head, all I'm not thinking about, about the guy standing next to me. I was thinking about, just that gold dot. Nothing else could enter my head. I had, and it was pre-visualization. It was, I saw the arrow in the gold way before I ever let the arrow go. It was always pre-visualization. I never had a knot in my stomach when I picked up my bow. I never felt, now when I'm in competition, that was an anxiety. That was, you kill yourself, right? You guys see me do it. I think I that's what got me with the Sours roll at Nats last year. Right? Um, the Sours. I, you know what? It's the same thing my flight instructor used to joke with me was, uh, you know, engine out failure or something like that or control surface goes south. Uh, the guy always used to tell me, you can panic once you're on the ground. Mm-hmm. If you panic in the air, you might as well just jump out of the plane now and save yourself some time. <laughs> No, I, I agree with you. Yeah. I agree with you, Rich, that um, the anxiety or nerves in a competition flight is not the same as um, as having a knot in your stomach for when you're about to go, you know. Just fly. Do your first or second hover ever with a collective pitch helicopter or someone tells me to go out and do backwards inverted figure eights. Yeah. I mean, his question uh-huh. to us specifically was, do you guys ever get over this, you know, fear when you go to fly, right? I think you get better at handling it. I think you do, too. Yeah. Or yeah. it becomes pushed farther and farther away as you get better. But, I mean, nowadays I can – I'll go up and do an inverted auto and drag the damn thing along the deck for 50 yards. And it's like, meh, whatever. But if I send the thing hurtling at the ground – to do a dismount auto, I know in my head, just in terms of risk analysis, like this is inherently way more goddamn risky than a, a delicate, slow moving inverted auto. Even if the inverted auto is like inches off the ground, the slow moving ones are relatively low risk. They look scary. And I mean, that's, I mean, I'm an engineer, right? So everything to me is a risk number. Yeah, right. Alexis thinks it's bullshit, but hey, it works. But you can think about it that way that, you know, it's it's low risk, right? So I'm not afraid of it. Whereas something I know to be high risk, that's what will get me anxious or get me afraid to do something if I know numerically, yeah, this is kind of stupid. 
So yeah, and and that's one that's one thing that um when it comes to you know, nerves and stuff like that, uh, flying with so at, at fun flies like that, you know, when you're at the center of attention, like I've I've that is super you know, scary because like everyone is watching you, you know, do a flight. Like I did Urge's Got Talent back in 2017. It was the first time I actually flew in front of an audience. Um, and it was scary as hell. And then you fast forward to this year where I did uh, Battle of the Brands, you know, both those two events, I know it's like, well, these people are way better than me. So I'm not worried about winning because I'm just, you know, because I got people way ahead of my skill level. It's just people are going to be watching. So I don't want to screw things up. Even though I did screw things up. But the point is, you just go out there and have fun. Yes, I was super nervous on both of those. But I will say, I was probably more, you know, calm at, at Battle of the Brands than Urge Got Talent, which is a five-year difference. But it's just, but going out and flying at Fun Flies where you know people are watching uh, used to be such a struggle for me. Where now, it's it's literally, I, I don't care. Like, I, I... Well, and I guess that's really... What drives fear, right, Shaggy, is if you have – there's, I would say there's two parts to it. There's a perceived danger or risk, and then the second half of it is how much do you care either consciously or unconsciously about it. Um, I remember when Matt would tell us to all go out on center stage, and he used to ask me, why aren't you walking out there? Come on, man, throw down. You can throw down. I'm like, yeah. Like, and then he'd say, like, you don't even have to pay for the parts if you crash. I'm, I'm asking you to go out there and put your shit in danger. I'm like, I mean, yeah. So what's the problem there? Like, I really, really don't feel like rebuilding it because this is the nice one. It's funny when Monty and I fly are together. I have a, I'll go out. Monty will just say, "Just do it," and I'll just do it, right? Or I'll at least try it. Um, I'm that way with you. Over that way with Shaggy. You know, if, if it's us in our little group, or if I'm, you know. I used to fight a Pudu. He'd do the same thing. Didn't matter. i just do it. It wasn't about the model being in danger. It was the fun of just being around and not worrying about it. By and the- this is where we get to, we, where we get to uh, mitigating the, the risks or mitigating the fears. That's one of the flying. I, I think, I think one of the things is we keep being our level of experience. It's quite clear to me. We experience the anxiety of flying a lot more than we experience fear the the fear of the unknown that was present when we first started this hobby mm-hmm. and i i would take this back to probably something i know all of us do and probably most of our listeners do and could probably remember if you think about it remember the first time you sat in a car and drove or maybe it was in a class or something. You weren't nervous. You you was kind of the fear of unknown. I don't know how to steer this thing really well. I don't know how to drive it. And if you thought you do, then all of a sudden you get into it like the steering is not like a game. <laughs> and there's the um. coordination of throttle and steering that you didn't know. And so it was the unknown. But as time goes along with experience, that fear starts to disappear. And for many of us, yeah, I put you in most normal vehicles. You're not going to be fearful. But, you know, if I was to stick any one of us, including myself, inside of a NASCAR car and tell you go as fast as you can around this track, a certain amount of us are going to be fearful. I'd be, I'd be nervous about doing that. 
with no experience. Yeah. A, a nervous or fearful? Like you're going to have a knot in your stomach. I, here's here's what's going to happen with that. Um, I'm not going to be real fearful of it because a I'm going to assume the car is safe, and I'm only going to take it as far as the skills I have are going to let me go. If I scare myself, I might reach a point where I actually scare myself, where fear may come into play. But when I get in the car, that won't be my intention, right? It, it's interesting you say that because I remember I went and did the NASCAR experience with Casey. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. And he went up right before me and spun the car and smashed into a wall. Oh, jeez. I watched him do it. Yeah. I did not want to go fast. Yeah, it's like <laughs> I, I that's something I'm going to control. Um. I'll give you an example with a helicopter where I, it was probably one of my worst crashes ever and something it was, and it experience played a huge role and it was simply a stall turn. Um, I was doing it off my left-hand side. I flew out, did the stall turn, did it sort of low. Um, and what you don't realize is if you're looking at the helicopter, well, I think people realize this, but if you're looking at the helicopter coming out of a stall turn, what you're actually doing is looking at that helicopter nose in. And if you're not real comfortable, it took a little bit of a panic for me to turn the helicopter the wrong direction towards myself. And at that point, I smashed that bitch into the ground. The battery was 50 feet away. It was a rekit on a Blade 550X. And it was right after I started flying again. Um, That was legitimate fear. I thought that bitch was coming to get me. Right. That was, yeah, fear in the moment. That yeah. was legitimate fear right that minute. I was like, son of a bitch, it's coming to get me. I, and I totally did it. And it was out of a stall turn. Um, it was a low stall turn. It wasn't like the kind of stall turns that we do, you know, when we're flying out and, you know, getting set up for a maneuver. But that has stood with me, f- you know, forever. I mean, it, it still sticks in my mind that it can be that easy to scare yourself. Right. You guys that fly super close to the ground right in front of your face, I will stand right next to Apollo when he's doing that stuff. It doesn't bother me. Man, there are guys that when they come around in a hurricane, I want to duck. Kevin McGregor. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I I wasn't going to say that, you know, it's like every, I will stand behind him. And it's not that I don't trust him because I do. But holy shit. You know what I mean? So it's, that's the, I, there's fear definitely, but I'm not so sure it's the kind of fear that we were talking about why you have that knot in your stomach when you put the helicopter down every time you fly. I scared my yeah, I, I scared myself with Monty practicing doing F three C doing a procedure turn. Um, Monty, you probably remember that the helicopter <laughs> it went out and you know, I made my, my nice little right hand turn and I'm coming around and it just started going away. And away, of course, you know, we've been doing it for a little bit. And Monty's like, clean it up, do this, do this, clean it up, clean it up. And I came out on this one and I'm like, there it goes. Look, look at it go. It's flying away and there's nothing I can do about it. And uh, I will remember that for whatever reason. I don't know why. I have no idea why, but I'll remember that always, I think. You always hated the procedure train. Was that the reason? Mm, no. I mean, I was, I was, I'm, comfortable enough doing a procedure turn it's just monty was there barking at me the whole time and <laughs> i just let him get into my head and uh, it was gone that helicopter was gone i had already written it off it was no, i remember when, we, when you asked me to help you do pure <laughs> that was different 
<laughs> I remember there being a lot of apprehension. You're like, are you, are you sure? Like, even after Monty and I had ridden all the way out there and we had all this crap set up, you still were like, are you, are you sure you want to do this? And I'm like, motherfucker, I'm out here. And this whole Augie school stuff has been talked up, so I want to see the results. I'm fascinated now. Put that thing up like 100 feet and we're just going to send it. How'd that work out for you? It worked out reasonably well. I think the field it was entertaining after from all the pits. Yeah, I mean, after all the oh, the um, the heckling and then all the other nonsense and laughing, it was it disarmed a lot of the fear. And you realize that well, it's up there, and Mike will catch it, and if he doesn't, he'll probably buy me a new one. So whatever. No, well, I did that same well, thing when I did my first pair of flips with John Allen. I mean, I wasn't going to do them, and uh, he said, "Well, I'm going to do this maneuver," which he wasn't comfortable. I don't remember what it was now. And you're going to do a paraflip. And what I did did not resemble a paraflip. The helicopter ripped around, but it did not. I don't know. think anybody's first paraflip resembles you know, a paraflip. But everybody had yeah. a good laugh. I mean, we were all laughing and farting around about it, you know. Well, I think getting towards the point on the end of this subject is, you know, ways you can decrease how fear grips you. Um, because I think there's the anxiety portion we've talked about, and then there's the actual like fear portion. Like I, 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 I'm afraid. Um, I know this weekend, the first time I smashed my 520, uh, I did some stuff and it, it was like, I'm not really in control of this model. It's not out of control, but I'm not in control of this thing. I ended it with throttle hold. <laughs> And she, minus one canopy, pull it out, fly it again. Yeah, so I, so I absorbed a ton, and yeah, the canopy was screwed. But yeah, I fly it again, and it wasn't like the model was in danger to us or anything. But I had done some stuff, and I was like, I, I'm not. I, I've already proceeded to like one or two more inputs that were not the right ones. I'm like, I'm done. Uh, before it's out of control, lost, and we're out there searching a field for it, hit throttle hold. It's over. You're an idiot. Just get over it. <laughs> <laughs> Um. So throttle hold—that's one way to just stop the 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 fear from further unraveling. If you're already, you know, if things are going absolute shit, just hit throttle hold. It, end end the crazy, it, the it chaos. It will stop. It will stop. You know what? I I guess Robert. Oh shit! I've known Robert for over a decade now. So Robert remembers the times in winter when I would be really deep into the stupid spaceship game Eve Online. Yeah. And there's a, there is a point to this, promise. I'll keep it under five minutes for sure. <laughs> so here's the context. Um, EVE Online, MMO game, whatever. So most games, when you die, either you reload the save and then nothing's fine or you, know, you go to a spawn point and some of your gear is damaged, whatever. Right? You keep all your stuff is the point. There's no real consequence to screwing up. Well, EVE Online is fun where uh, if you go get your ass blown up, well, that's it. It's gone. It got blown up. And if anything was left, the guys that just blew you up just took all of it. So the general rule of thumb in there, because you get people who are absolutely terrified to undock and get into a fight with their shiny ships. Um, the guiding rule in all of that, basically, and honestly, it applies to everything that involves toys and risk, is uh, don't undock or fly when you are not prepared to lose. Yeah. So if yeah. you go buying a fancy 700 as your first helicopter and 
you don't have safety nets in place, you know, like training gear, buddy box, or mm-hmm. a lot of sim time to get over basic stupid, then you're putting yourself in a situation with a hell of a lot of risk. And if you are afraid to lose that aircraft, you need to reevaluate what you're doing. Every model has an expiration date. Like, yeah, they all do. Either they're going to get sold, traded, or fall apart, or wear out, or hit the dirt. Like, the jet, I will go fly it like an idiot. Uh, would I turn around and immediately replace it? Probably not, because I'm trying to buy a stupid house. Um, does that cross my mind when I go to fly it like an idiot? Yeah, it does. And then I shut that out and like, well, then why do I own it? So, same thing with the helicopter. I, I'm prepared to crash that thing. Otherwise, I wouldn't fly it. Yeah, I think that's a solid point of, is if you're not prepared to lose it, Mm-hmm. then it's probably not the best idea to be it, flying. It tremendously helps if you it's, don't it's care. That yeah. unconscious fear is just going to be in the there. back of your head every single time you take off with yeah. that thing. No, because I've, I've lost models in that uh, it never flew again, but I hadn't I haven't lost them as in they've flown away, and it was, you know, a complete write-off as in, you know, lost all the electronics and everything. So, but yeah, no, I'm, and we all know guys this has happened. Oh so, yeah. We, we, we've all met or been a, been, been a party to that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, fly, fly what you're prepared to lose, you know, just completely, whether you dunk it in a lake, it flies away, never to be seen again. Um, I mean, I got to watch Frank just through no fault of his own. As far as I know, uh, $12,000 jet roll onto its back and hit the ground and just vaporize itself. And like, Cool. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we watched. Uh, remember, remember, Chris Olsen's Olsen. helicopter Olsen. flew away into mm-hmm. the void. Yep, it flew away to the void, never to be seen again. He's sitting there holding the transmitter. <laughs> um, yeah, it was kind of like watching a sad puppy just walk out in the middle of the field. Like, where's my toy? <laughs> uh, Scott, years ago, remember he put his seven hundred electric into a pond. Oh, any of the guys uh, at CG Cliff, Rotary Wings? I mean, how many helicopters yeah. are at the bottom of that channel? It's not a channel. Yeah, that's a bay. Yeah, you're right. There's, there's, you know. Chad put his they, they, in they at all LAX have... last year. Not last year, but the year before in the lake. Remember yeah. he was trying to land on the pontoons or skid it across yeah. the water? Yeah, yeah. He flies, he's fly, he flies like that model's expiration date is today every time, though. He does. <laughs> it's like I flew the lizard over the pond once at Joe Nall. And just to make a point, just to cross off the list. For a moment, I was like, I'm prepared to lose this thing. <laughs> But uh, outside of that that's, one time, I am like, nope, never doing that again. You know, and that's that's actually another thing about about you know, just stop caring about crashing and stuff like that. You know, just, just well, every, how bad every, you want it, right? Well, you, well, the thing is, every flight that we put up there, we're all accepting the chance of if if we're if we don't accept it, we're not flying it. We're just putting it on a yeah. shelf. So there you go. So you're prepared you gotta, to lose it so you fly. Yeah. If you're gonna fly it, you're already you're already writing that thing off just in case. That you've got to have that mindset. So like one thing for sure is when I when the first time someone handed and I think this was Tyson. I think Tyson was the first time he literally handed me a radio and says fly it. I was nervous as like is you know I was shaking. Because it's like, this is not my helicopter. If something happens, even though, you know, the cardinal rule he offered, te- technically, he w- he's accepting that. So, well, so I guess yeah, to that same still, vein, another of the RCHO guys, Jay Treadway, I think one of the first times I met him, this is probably like mow down 20. I knew Alexis, so it was 2018, I think. And uh, I 
even Nick Maxwell knows, I don't like flying other people's stuff. My poor helicopter blew up and he's like, well, fly mine. I'm like, no, man, I, I don't. I know you're Nick Maxwell. I just don't fly people's stuff. I just don't like doing it. So the one time Jay handed me his helicopter and I told him, are you sure? I'm trying to go to bed. I'm tired. I remember this. Yes, and it was 2018. Yeah, and I was like, if you hand me this radio, I'm going to do something incredibly stupid and risky. And you have to be okay with that. Or I'm not going to be okay with it. Fly and he bright. looks at me dead in the eye and he's just like, ugh, f***ing send it. Yep. And uh, yeah, it was a 700 electric. And I took the thing in hurricanes that stayed in the beans the entire way around. Several times around. Yes, yes. And power loops that at the bottom would shave beans. And the whole time, he's just absolutely loving this. And I, there was no fear at all because I had told him. I would asked him, like, I'm going to do something really stupid. That's my apprehension because yeah, I don't want to yeah. put – like, I'm going to put this thing in immense amounts of danger. And I don't want to do it if you're not totally 100% okay with it. And the fact that he said, yeah, I don't give a f- was like, okay, well, we have crossed the threshold of caring and I'm just going to eat this thing. When people hand me a radio, I was nervous as hell. And now it's, I, I feel like I get thrown radios all the time. Most of them are V bars, unfortunately, but I get thrown radios all the time. Stop, put your thumb down. Like, I don't want to see that. Um, <laughs> but, but it's, now it's like, I, I don't have that fear. It's like, okay, now, okay. So Cliff handed me his radio because he wanted me to test out some batteries. He wanted me to, to beat the shit out of it. And of course, he handed me, he's like, I want you to throw as hard as you can. It's like, are you sure about this? And he's like, yes, I want to load these batteries up. It's like, okay. Now, you know, of course, Cl- Cliff is a friend, but it would be most people. I was, okay, I, I, need, to, I need to push these batteries, so I'm going to be stupid with the sticks. I wasn't nervous at all, even though I nearly dumped it in like five times because knowing Cliff, he would have been like, eh, whatever, you know, I'll, I'll rebuild it. But me personally, I'll be like, all right, um, let me have your heli for about a week while I order parts and I will be rebuild it. Even though ah, he's shaking his head right now, I know he would be saying like, no, I'm, I'm going to be taking care of this because I offered it, you know, I, I wanted you to test it. If I put it in and it was my fault, I'm going to rebuild it. So, but the point is I'm already, I've already got that mental est- uh, establishments where like, all right, I'm going to throw out, throw down on it. If I break it, I'm going to take care of it. I don't care. I'll give him my raw. I don't care. Um, so I've eliminated that fear completely just because of how many times I've been handed a radio and people say, Hey, fly it, uh, fly it or no balls. Okay. Uh, and, and I flew it. Same thing with Alex Ferguson's heli. I mean, they pressured me to fly over the water and, I blade scraped the water. Uh, if that sucker would have went in, I'd be like, I, I would have went down to my basement, grabbed another fireball because I have a spare one that Frank Morideos gave me, and I'll just hand it to him. I was like, here you go. No, if if I, I mean this, this is just the way I feel. If anybody gives me their helicopter to fly, they are assuming all responsibility. And vice versa. If I give my transmitter to somebody and say, you know what? Here, go fly it. If nothing's on them, it's all on me. Every bit. I, I, I respect that. But, but just because, you know, if it was, if it would have, like for Mike, his, that heli, does the battery disconnected? That was not Mike's fault. That was an electrical issue or, or a mechanical failure. That was not Mike's fault. Um, if something like that in the model happened, yeah, but like, well, Shit, I'm sorry, but that would have happened to you too. Well, that was um, yeah, that was going to be my point. My exception is when I'm helping somebody 
and they have a problem. Yeah. If I'm hovering but or flying it, it, it around. But how does this help with people's fear or anxiety? Well, this part, no. I, but my point was basically you're getting to where I've flown other people's helis enough where I've got this mental, st- mental state where I know the risks of accepting this. I'm just going to fly it and have fun. And I've eliminated that fear completely. Well, I think we've just come full circle in shaggy fashion to the original point of you aren't afraid to lose it because this time it's not yours. So you eat it. Yeah, well, well, so to, to the fear part, um, personally myself, I have just found that you build a base of skills. And as your base grows on things you can do, your, your fear of doing them drops significantly. It does. Um, I, I agree that, I still get that lump though. So, yeah, you know, when you when we say fly with your friends, there's not a it's not a fear. It's still the that anxiety I think of putting the model in the air. And maybe it comes from the cost and stuff. But I mean, I I'm not flying models I can't afford to crash. I don't want to. But I mean, if I, I crashed one, I would fix it. So, I, I for me trying to say what I think you may be anxious about, I. Is is it's I don't know. Um, I don't so know. me saying what I think you're anxious about is just that as a thought. It's yeah. me speculating. Yeah, I don't know either. Um, um, if I could, I wouldn't be that way. One thing on here that I that I can I can't stress enough is you know flying with your friends. I feel more comfortable flying with people that I trust and I and I, I care about uh, more than flying by myself. Like I don't have that fear. At all, when I get Mike, Rob, or anybody else, you know, in that nature, that say, like, when okay, for example, Monty, I was flying the Fireball uh, at, at an event, and Rob came out of nowhere and just yelled at me, "Do never stop pirouetting," and I didn't the whole damn flight. That, I even eje- I ejected the battery out of the helicopter, <laughs> and I didn't stop pirouetting. But the thing is, at that time, I was. Not doing nonstop pirouetting maneuvers. I was, I, I just like, okay, this is out of, outside of my comfort zone, but I did it without fear. I didn't care. Like, I just, I don't know that, that presence of someone there egging you on gives me more motivation. And I don't get any fear when, when I'm with friends, when I'm by myself and I'm trying something new. Yeah. That fear comes back because I don't have that sense of security, I guess, uh, where if you have friends that are egging you on and, you know, saying random shit to you, it it just makes you feel better. It's a weird thing to say, but for me, it just, you know, hearing Rob say, do it or you're a it's just, it's reinsuring. I don't try new things (laughs) unless I've got people around pushing me most of the time. But to come back to our topic where we're talking about ways to mitigate fear, and we've got fly with your friends as one of them. Um, I think we all agree that helps. I think moving on from that particular point, uh, practicing on the sim. Um, who added that point in? Uh, that that I think definitely helps uh, in learning new maneuvers and um, even learning old maneuvers, I guess. But it does make you more comfortable on the sticks. Um, flying out of a problem without having to think about it is huge. Um, and I think the sim helps with that 
I don't know. What do you guys think? Flying out of a problem, I think, feels great because it, it reinforces that you have the skill mm-hmm. and you can keep cool and work your way out of a, an issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that does uh, come directly from sim or can come directly from simming. And yeah. to Mike's point, just. And I hate to sim. I, I hate to sim with all of my being, but it definitely helps learn how to do stuff and make you just more comfortable. Just it. As Augie would say, it becomes more instinctive. And Mike made that point earlier about just time on the sticks, you know, just just flying. That helps. I mean, on the sim, it's part of that. Yeah. No, the the, the it was also talking about the fact that, like, uh, when it gets really, really late, like, if I'm still night flying, it's 2 or 3 a.m., towards the end of whatever energy I have left, about the only thing I can do is fly back and forth doing stall turns. That's... That is the very basis of my muscle memory. There's not much left of thought to that. That's back to that primal brain part of me. It's like, I can do this without much thought. Landing can be harder than doing the stall turns at night just because of the depth perception issues with the ground and LEDs. Um, and so just a lot of practice, a lot of practice, whether it's on the sim outside, but a lot of practice and just trying to mitigate mitigate where you feel like you're losing control um you know i i've i've been you know i did a pyro flip years ago and mike was right there with me and i did a half pyro flip and the model ended up tail end coming at me it was way up high but i felt like it was gonna fly behind me and i was like nah it's no good i got i got issues and control on this i have to go back to basics and now i can do a few pyro flips in front of you know out there in front of me but um, you know, slowly as I've been mastering control of the model and inverted orientations, that has become easier. So I would add breaking, breaking maneuvers down to basics in order to, you know, learn control of the model so that you don't feel out of control. So again, we're talking time on the sticks, whether it's on the sim or in the air, right? To add, add to the comfort level. Yeah. Time on the sticks. But as far as that time, you know, put a purpose to it, mm-hmm. learn control of the model and, and orientations, that you can easily put yourself into like inverted flying or something uh, myself and uh, another friend were talking about the orientations you can't hold your model in but you can put it in for example dives nose down towards the ground tail down uh knife edge stuff you really if you got it perfectly knife edge the model's gonna fall but those are orientations that aren't normal Mm. that you have to get comfortable with uh, as you start getting in harder 3D and you have to put put yourself into them and work your way, you know, you know, purposely working your way into it and out and come out of it. Mm-hmm. You know, time on the sticks. So now the next topic or the next point we've got here is fun flies. Um, I'm going to kind of disagree on this one because I don't, I am not comfortable flying in front of a bunch of people at a fun fly. I'm just not. Um, I'll do it, especially when you guys pull me out. Well, you say you're afraid to fly in front of people, right? I, I don't know about afraid is not the right word. It makes me more nervous. Anxiety. It's more of an anxiety, yeah. I'm just not comfortable flying in front of other people that I'm just not familiar with. I've got a bunch of people, you know. And would it be because you think you're not entertaining enough? Or if you were, you might crash it? You know what? You- in front of the guys that we fly in front of all the time, meaning... The RCHO guys, you got you guys doesn't bother me a bit, but you you guys 
it's seen me fly. You see, I'm not going to pound the shit out of it on the ground. Um, yeah, you are. No, I might hit the ground, but I'm not flying four <laughs> feet off the ground. Um, is what I'm saying. <laughs> you go pound that thing in, <laughs> dude. I've pounded it and I've put it in the air. So, you know, but what I mean is, you guys bug me sometimes about not flying at fun flies. Like I didn't fly last weekend at all. Last weekend was different. I just wanted to get out of the house for a while, right? But um, I I've gone to a lot of fun flies where I've never taken a helicopter. I take them out of the trailer and whatever. And you guys bust my balls about working on stuff, but. Um, I usually won't just go put it up for the fun of it. You guys usually have to drag me out there. The, the, um, the, the interesting thing in that is I, I remember when I first got in this hobby and I didn't want to fly in front of others because either I, I didn't want to waste time at the flight station where they could be getting their flying in and they're better than me. Or I really just didn't want to embarrass myself with how bad I fly. Um, and one of the things personally I would add is I feel accomplished in life. Um, you know, I'm married, happily married for 23 years. I have children. I've got children live with me still. You know, they're fourth grade. <laughs> and I've got children who moved out. So as far as life is concerned, I feel, you know, accomplished at this stage of my life. So I don't care what anybody thinks on the field. I walk on the field with a pink blanket. I ain't afraid. Are you gonna make fun of me? Yeah, bro. So what? That's I've been there with Monty when he walks up and him and I just walk up to the flight line. I'm like, all right, Robert, who are you gonna put to sleep first? He's like, you fucking mom. (laughs) And I get it. And I stood back there going, when when people said, oh shit, Monty's going up, gets you know, take your nosebleed pads with you or whatever you know what i mean i'm just i i and i and i, I yeah and i don't care like what none of us actually mean no it. they don't mean it nobody's this it. it wasn't meant as derogatory well no but i mean it's just like when raj goes to sit you know he takes his chair out to do autos everybody's like oh f-. well um, that's because it's, he'll take 30 minutes and that's just annoying though well i think one's the gas engine <laughs> Two is a pure amount of time he takes over a flight station. Well, well, it's but I'm when I fly, and you guys know because you've seen me fly. Um, yes. I'm high. I don't like flying in a really small space, although I will fly at RCHO and have. Um, I'm not comfortable in really really tight small boxes, so I'm going to fly out of the box, which means I'm going to be out farther farther away. So I usually do it when there aren't other people in boxes next to me. Um, or I go all the way to an end station and fly at an end station where I can fly farther out left or right. Or, you, you know, know, one side or the other. Um, you know, you say that. in Mike, I've seen where Mike learned to fly big helicopters at, at DCR. Yeah, a goddamn CRs. box. It was a tiny-ass box. And I think there is some value if you know to what you say, Rich. You don't like flying in confined spaces. I think there's some value to flying in confined spaces and getting I, comfortable with it. I, I dare. I am not second guessing that, and maybe that's where a big part of my um, anxiety comes in trying to fly at fun flies. Maybe that's yeah, what, Maybe that's what that's about. Because um, I've, I don't enjoy. You know, I, I myself, even this last weekend, uh, I don't. I don't enjoy flying with borders, but. I'm very comfortable with the uh, evasive maneuvers to get away from other models. Yeah, but I mean, know? even when you were pounding on it, or your version of it, when you were down on the ground putting the helicopter in, you weren't flying in a box, per se. I mean, you were letting it go quite a, you know, 
right and left. Kind of, kind yeah. of, yeah. I, I was covering, I was covering more space than most three D guys. Yeah, exactly. But I was confined by lights. <laughs> well, that too. But you know what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, but you're right. You're right. We weren't you're staying right. in those, you know, well, let's say between the cones, kind of thing. Where Mike, yeah, dude, he flies, you know, in in, in ten feet. You know, I will say one thing about flying in confined spaces. It, 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 yeah, it is kind of a benefit sometimes. You know, it's a curse, but a benefit because you don't want to fly in tight areas, but it makes you uh, it keep keep away from things. I mean, I for the longest time I flew around trees. Uh, even though I plowed a raw into a tree, you learn. But you know, you, <laughs> you learn, you figure it out. But the thing is, like, you're just like, oh wow, I can't fly that far. Okay, let's bring it a little bit closer next time. You know, you you, you learn to fly in that confined space. And 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 what I would say is to a point that Mike has made, and and we we've sat here with is, you know, I think there's some benefit to flying in that small space. It kind of like uh, night flying. Or, you know, night flying for your first time under light towers or night flying for a first time with LEDs. You know, if you're doing something for a first time, it's kind of like a swimming pool. You you can jump all the way in and just start splashing about like crazy. Or you could dip a toe, dip a foot, dip a leg, dip both legs and get comfortable in it. And it's up to you as to how much risk you want to assume and go for it. And, you know, to yeah, your point. I mean, Absolutely, you can you can mitigate the risk and make it less scary. I mean, crap! Uh, first time you flip a heli upside down, right? I remember, it's that. I remember that. Freaking terrifying! But if you do it higher, or you're doing with something with that's inexpensive, or you've got rescue, heli rescue nowadays, right? I think um, I think a lot of guys are using rescue to mitigate the anxiety of trying new stuff. Yeah, I mean, absolutely, I could see that. I mean, crap. When I first learned wheelies on dirt bikes years ago, it was you don't go out there as a dumbass teenager and try to rip up the wheel on a 450 murder machine. Like, you just don't do that because you're going to loop and eat shit unless you are a psychopath and have no fear or sense of self-preservation. <laughs> what do you do? <laughs> so, well, I mean, yeah, Robert. Are you saying, so what do you, you do? Saying? You go get the little 50 doo-doo bike or the little 100cc thing that Oh no, it looped over. I'm standing up now, right? Like the risk is gone. So suddenly you have a much easier time of training the monkey part of your brain that it's okay to go backwards. And it's the same thing with helis. Like you're going to have the monkey part of your brain that's like, oh no, scary, bad, don't do it. Well, you have to, you have to train against that. And the more risk you can take out of the situation, it makes it easier to do that. There's, there's gonna always gonna be a first with everything, you know. First time you flip the model, first time you fly underneath the lights, first time you fly inside of a van, <laughs> In a van. underneath the lights. <laughs> uh, I'm I mean, serious. Mike and I did it. That was scary as hell. I mean, it was weird. Flying, flying inside of a moving vehicle. Yeah, there's a video no, on YouTube. No, no, no. Years no. Ago I mean, that. We, no. When we pulled, when we drove in the middle oh, of uh, yeah, RCHO, when, field, that, yeah. that was good. Yeah, when morning. I was being a wiener about, I'm like, it's too cold, goddammit. So I drove my van onto the flight line. Um, and, we, uh, and we flew from inside the van. That was, you wouldn't think that's going to be sketchy, but that was, that was terrible. I wasn't sketched out. I thought it was hilarious. Well, it was it, scary. It was scary. If Mike for me. and I had experienced something very similar to flying in the van years before, and that was flying okay. from underneath the canopy. Because the risk is, is you're going to fly the helicopter outside of your viewable area. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it so, was, you know, you weird. don't go as hard, right? You, you keep it closer in front of yourself where you consciously keep the thing within your view and you don't fly towards the edges. So it's not as scary anymore. You know, again, mitigate the risk to keep the fear away. So if I go out at a fun fly and I'm going to stay between those cones, 
all I'm going to be able to do is rainbows and TikToks because I'm not paraflipping flipping inside that box. So I'm going to go up and sure. do a few TikToks. I might do a couple of rainbows. And then what am I going to do? F***ing hover in front of everybody? Because well, I can the, hover. The question I, is, I can have the shit out of it. If the problem is so, you don't want to go out and fly because you can't do anything in the flight box. That's. I think that might be my problem now that we're talking about it, right? So The, the problem is being able to f- keep everything into a box that size. So I guess at that point it'd be time on a stick. Go get something like a 450 size heli or a 500 and go out there and work on what it is that you can't control. Like if you go to do a rainbow and the thing goes ripping across the field, well, that's that is a you problem. Well, I mean, I can keep a rainbow in that. That's what I said. If I showed up, if I went up to fly and stay in the box, didn't go out of the box, didn't go out and do stall turn, didn't go up and do anything else, just did what I could do in that little space. It's going to be TikToks or rainbows, flips maybe, some flips. So, Rich, at that point, you know, my thought to you is you're not going to do pure flips, didn't stay in the box. Well, maybe it's time to sit down and just do inverted orientations. In and front of everybody at a fun fly? Yeah, who cares? Just do it. I yeah. mean, it's like, because oh, I mean, that's what Pluto, giving I, mean, shit. I would go and he and I would spend hours just flipping the helicopter over and letting it fly in a circle, right? Or whatever. Dude, you know how many times yes. I were at a fun fly and I see people out there just like hovering and stuff and I'm like, yeah, get it, man. I get it. Uh, I mean, because I, we tell people all the time, just go do it. Nobody's going to care. We do. It's a fun fly. Um, the only people that are out there dick measuring are assholes that care about that. And then everyone else is like, I don't give a shit. Right. Because, I mean, I don't have any qualms about putting a helicopter up. It's staying in that. Maybe that's what it really is. Maybe it's about staying in the box for me. You know, Staying in the box. Yeah. I mean, I'm still going to have the knot in my stomach when I put a helicopter down. It's just, I don't know why. But. Sure. Um, agree agree you, because, you still have that knot but yeah break it down maybe it's the box and we all do say you know just go out there and fly it doesn't matter what you can do go do it and yeah go do it all right i'll tell you what rcho inverted hovering between the five of oh, f- is rcho the next thing we're doing yeah unless you just randomly come up here for a nice weekend yeah um <laughs> Dude, it's hard to fly inside. It's start. They got. It's a tiny. I. I uh. Oh, trust me, it is tiny. I tend oh, to. Oh no, keep I mean, I, I, it's tiny. I've flown there plenty of Don't times. Make excuses now. But that's my to, job. Uh, say you want me doing. What would I just, freaking do? In just front put of the box? it nose in, inverted, oh, and hold do- it there. Hold it there for a minute. Move. If that's the goal, I can do that. That's not. Well, then move it around. If you're something you can do. So, what was it? What was the first thing Todd would say he would do every day to see where he's at? He would lift the heli up and then start a continuous pirouette and see if he could keep it in place. If he could, it was it was a good day. Go practice. Go try harder things. If he put it up into a hover, started pirouette, and he couldn't hold the model in place, apparently that was the day he was going to practice pirouette hovering because <laughs> because his brain was not on his brain was not there so you say you could do it then go put the model out okay, there hover so nose in do a square pattern help, how does what we're talking about right this minute help a guy that gets a knot in his stomach every time he puts the helicopter down not to get that knot in his stomach or for his fingers not thinking i mean i'm, I'm being honest go do the known thing that doesn't make you nervous uh, everything we've talked about, what we're really saying is what Mike started this whole thing off on. Time, time on the sticks. Whether you're doing time it with a sticks. sim, whether you're doing it with your friends, whether you're doing it by yourself, whether you're doing it at a fun fly, it doesn't matter. It's time on the sticks will help 
the the anxiety is what we're saying. Time on the right? sticks is the fix, and the problem is finding out why. Why does putting a helicopter in the air scare you? Is yep. it fear of loss? Is it the risk of you think if something goes wrong, you won't be able to save it? Or are you thinking that if you go to a fun fly, people are going to be judging you because, oh, look at this asshole. He's hovering. Like, who cares? That one's a non-issue. Um, the risk of bad things happening is time on the sticks. You know, is if you have problems keeping it under control, then it's practice. If you have problems with helicopters exploding, you need to revisit your maintenance. Like all of these things have sources and fixes. Yeah, but if you've got if it's anxiety and not fear, I think you're right. I think fear you solve that problem by finding out what's scaring you or why you're afraid of it. I think um, anxiety becomes anxiety fear. becomes fear. Yeah, and anxiety, and anxiety is just the next level of fear. Anxiety. I mean, look at people. You ever saw someone have a panic attack? I mean, anxiety is is real. So if you've got that yeah. anxiety in the and but anxiety may become fear, but anxiety is not fear. I don't think. And so if it's anxiety about flying at a fun fly and staying in the box, you guys are saying the fix is to get out and fly in the box. So whatever that is, whether it's hovering, whether it's doing backflips. Do the things, do the things that you're comfortable doing in that uncomfortable space. Because I can tell you, Bingo. my my anxiety does not come from fear of crashing. You guys have seen me crash. Just yep. pick it up and laugh, you know. That's that's my, not where my anxiety's at. It's my anxiety crash. comes my anxiety comes from not <laughs> the model could be flying imperfect or perfectly and the moment I smash it I've got a whole different set of issues that I may be troubleshooting for the next 6 months and I that's why I don't want to smash my, I agree with it, but I don't worry about my that. competition model. I don't that worry about one, that on my 550. You don't. I don't worry about it. You don't. My, I do. Yeah, see, I don't worry about it with my 550. I sure as hell don't worry about that with my Oxy 2, right? If that thing vibrates and shakes all over the damn place. So then at that point, you get to consider, you get to talk yourself through it. Then, okay, if there's no reason for me to be afraid of this thing or flying it, or then why am I afraid? Okay, I mean, because Robert saw me the other day is, oh, the anxiety of smashing the lizard jet, right? Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm just going to sit down and think through this for a minute. And it's me basically thinking to myself, yeah, this is a natural human reaction to um, slinging $5,000 around like a complete asinine idiot. Like, yeah, there's going to be some anxiety there. Um, But I'm not a terrible pilot. I'm taking risk mitigation to make sure I'm not going to do anything that's crazy. I'm not going to pull right into a hover in front of myself with this much wind. I'm going to feel it out first. Like, all these things that... You know, give you margin. You know that that I know I can get out of if if it becomes a problem, and then it goes away. If you're the kind of person who is afraid of a 120 cc airplane hovering it, right? But your idea of hovering is hauling ass into it and pulling a wall, and then pissing yourself oh, wow. as you try to get rid of it. Then yeah, that's that's probably going to cause some fear. I'm I'm pretty sure everyone else is going to be afraid too. <laughs> that's a good point. So if, if taking a helicopter off the ground is terrifying, you need to identify why. Is it f- loss, uh, fear of control, fear of being out of control? Um, like if it's just you alone, then yeah, I, I would say it's a control issue. Like people don't like being a, a, out of control. No one does. Yeah. So it's, I, it's a terrifying. I, I, I yeah, because one, I don't want to screw the model up and have to deal with a whole other set of issues. And the other one is control. So 
start breaking maneuvers down. I start doing them slower. Time for bed. I agree. Let's shut. This. You guys, everybody, think that we've we've um, kind of hit our our opinion is that it's just time on the sticks is the biggest thing that's going to help you get over these. Identifying why you're terrified of it. Yeah. Identifying the reason. Yep. Identify it. Mitigate it. Fly. <laughs> fly with other friends. Well, that's 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 a mitigation. It's I, mitigating I, it. But to be honest, Shaggy, you said that, and I, I agree that can be a mitigation to pushing yourself, but flying with people doesn't usually mitigate my problem. It has to be helpful. I, um, it's probably more subjective. It is subjective. Yeah. Like, for me, doing stupid shit on a bike doesn't really bother me, but Alexis had a lot of apprehension and fear because it's all unknown. It's all terrifying. And Same for me. Eh, you know, you go look on Reddit, there's plenty of pictures and other horrible things of, here's what happens when you screw up on a motorcycle. And Well, you know, that doesn't bother me because that, that's a risk that I'm taking, but I just... Yeah, but you've, you've got confidence in it. You've, you fly airplanes, Shaggy. Um, I guess a small point to make here is that you start to notice in people who uh, pilots of dangerous things, be they two-wheeled, winged, rotary, any of that, you start to notice a trend that they're able to, I don't want to say compartmentalize, but maybe rationalize and subdue natural fear of dangerous things because they're in control and they're calm and whatever. Like I've seen times when like shit's going completely sideways. I'm just kind of like, well, this is mildly irritating. I guess we'll have to fix this. And then you'll see people who completely come unglued when shit hits the fan. Yeah. Yeah. But you see a trend, you know, people like pilot, like go look at a YouTube video of a pilot um, having an engine failure. And the guy's just kind of like calmly talking to the local air traffic control. Like, hey, um, my shit's broke. I need a place to put this. Yep. I've seen those videos. Yeah. And it's the same thing as my instructor told me way back when is you can panic when you're on the ground. Yeah, because usually at the end of the video, you see them just, like, breaking down when they're on the ground. Oh, they yeah, break, exactly. So it's the same it. thing with the RC helis, is it's the same kind of high-risk, kind of genuinely scary, you know, monkey part of your brain again is telling you, you've got a flying lawnmower five feet from you. Why aren't you scared? You should be scared. You should be scared. <laughs> right. And, All right. Uh, dealing with that is part of it. You guys, I think this is a good I, discussion. Yep. Let's. Uh, I want to put this yeah. topic to rest, but on the other hand, I mean, there's something to be oh, said really when, when your confidence is blown. Because I know. Oh yeah. I I used to enjoy climbing trees like really high, and then I fell. I fell from a tree swing, probably a good twenty feet to the ground, I'll and got myself a concussion and. Uh, 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 a day, you know, like half a day in the hospital. <laughs> taped yeah, down suddenly to a bed. you were acquainted with the risk. Now I don't like heights, and I have done them under controlled situations, but my my anxiety was through the roof. Um, but there was a controlled situation. You brought up one one thing, and I just want to last thing I want to say, and and we got to end this is. Basically, if you fall off the horse, get back on it. And what I mean by that is if you dump thumb it or you crash a model because you're trying something new or you're out of your comfort zone, don't let it fester. Like, just do it again. Like You like, were prepared to lose it when you took off. Exactly. Get don't, over it. Do it again. I, I, I have experience with this. When I was a kid, 
when I was learning how to, when I was first learning how to fly airplanes, my dad would always take their plane plane up, and then he would hand me the radio, and I'd fly around. I could do landings all day long, but takeoffs were sketchy. And when I did my very first takeoff, it flew into the pits. I got it up, I got off the ground, but it flew into the pits and going beyond the pits, that's a no that's a no go. Damn Shaggy, we always knew you were a planker. <laughs> well, the, I mean this is when I this is when I was like 6 or 7 years old. Like this is when I was really young, but that haunted me because I I did, I let it I let it get to me and it was years until I did my very first takeoff. If I would have just done it, you know, if I would have just you know, it, nothing went wrong. It just flew over into the pits a little bit. Like that's, but it scared me. So if you just, like, damn, that sucks. Okay, do it again, then you'd be fine. But if you let that fester, it's gonna, it's gonna ruin it. It's gonna ruin you. It's gonna, it's going to create more problems. Yeah, it's not an RC Helia thing, man. It's a life skill. That, that's a life skill, but it's part of it in the hobby. But it can relate into this hobby. So it does. Just don't, mm-hmm. don't just. If something happens, just suck it up and, and, and do it again. I spent my first right, year flying, crashing on Saturday, fixing during the week, putting it back together to crash on Saturday. And all I was trying <laughs> to do yep. was learn that over. Did it for almost a year. Yep. All right. Close out. Close out. Close out. Going to bed. Check out the other great Heli podcasts, Freefall RC podcast, the Heli Head Show, Skids Up RC Heli podcast, the Houdini RC Heli podcast, Maxim Collective podcast, and RC Heli Nation version three. On rerun, BKRC podcast, averted down under RC Heli pad podcast, RC Heli Hooligans, uh, full pitch RC podcast, and RC Heli Nation version two. Please comment on iTunes or Podbean. Help others find the show. If you have any questions, feel free to email us. Please email us. Please email us. Please. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Please. Um, you know, we've got episodes planned out pretty well from here, but man, got to talk to me. I'm tired of being in my basement, not talking to anybody. Upcoming events we are attending. RCHO. I don't even know what the dates are. I'm pretty sure I'll make it. November uh, 2nd or – no, no, it's 3rd to the 6th. 4th, 5th, and 6th. 4th, 5th, 6th. Yeah, 3rd, 4th, 5th, 6th. Oh, okay. Now first I, weekend I, in November. First uh, weekend in November. It doesn't matter. The show's not going to be out by then anyhow. <laughs> you are, you are right. It. Stop it. Um, it was great. We watched Scott's Graham smash a lot. What? We watched Scott Graham smash a lot. What at RCHL? Yeah, he's not great. He he won't be lead crasher. Yeah. Uh, oh, you will. If I got to stay in a box, oh, maybe. Oh wait, but you it- got you got to fly first. <laughs> <laughs> you know, oh. RCHO is it even sanctioned? It is. Well, I don't know if it's sanctioned or not. It it's doesn't not. matter. The show's not going to be out by then. It is November 3rd, 4th, 5th, and 6th. But the show's not going to be out until Christmas time, so it doesn't matter. No, we have to put out our annual Christmas show. Yeah, we got two more. This episode and another episode. See the 2022 Heli Calendar spreadsheet in Google Drive. <laughs> Scroll down to your favorite podcast app and click the link for more details. Remember, we are on Discord if you'd like to chat with us or other Heli buddies in real time. Search Teller Order or find the invite on our Facebook page. Last but not least, thank you to all the listeners and look forward to seeing you on a field or uh, hitting us up an email. Or not. Thanks a lot, everybody. Have a good night, man. You guys are good. 
guys are great. I just want to tell all you guys to have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Oh, shut <laughs> up! <laughs> shut <laughs> up, okay? Gosh. Oh, man. Man, you're terrible. Hey, I'm, I'm wishing y'all Happy Easter. <laughs> oh, my gosh! Okay, you know what? You, you're editing the show this time, and, and all okay, right. so you suck all right. it. All right, done. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode, as we enjoyed taking the time to make them. If you have any questions regarding the show, such as future topics, events, or anything else, you can send us an email at telerotor at gmail.com, or on Facebook, search Telerotor. Thanks again, and we'll see you on the field. Welcome to the bloopers for this episode. We recommend you listen to them in private as the audio is loud and the subject matter a bit sophomoric. Enjoy. Okay, well, Audacity's on. Memes. Is it recording? Yeah, it's on. Cool. Is your audio decent? <laughs> Are you? It's decent? not clipping, but now it is. <laughs> Welcome, Shaggy. Are oh, you decent? It... Yeah, it, it looks good, though, now. Good. Are you decent? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm not naked. Would you get naked? Oh, shit! Oh, never mind. Okay. Hey. For the record, Monty started pulling off a shirt, but I didn't realize he had another shirt on <laughs> underneath that shirt. Hey, I don't. Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, no, don't, 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 don't. Keep it on. What? <laughs> Gentlemen. Oh, wow. Behold. This is, this is starting off great. Oh, for the record, guys, we are now having live webcams so oh, we can is. see each other. This except for me, because I don't, I, don't I don't have a webcam. This is so, what Sheets calls a burrito. Oh. If you hear us just sporadically laughing, it's because we're laughing at each other. So This yes. was a bowl of chili. All right. This I mean, was now the worst idea ever. It was a bowl yes, it is. of spaghetti. This is all going to be scrapped. Uh, that, that's, what it was, that's what it used to be. Jeez. So that's what that field used to be like. Um, he was talking about me. You guys brought me in to stop that. So since last recording, uh, you didn't have the raw. So what's your thoughts on that? It's a helicopter and it flies. Yeah, of course. It has like 20 flights on it. We're not doing a freaking helicopter review. No, but I'm just asking. For f***'s sake, you're just like, hey, let me see if I can't take us off a f***ing diversionary path and make the recording longer. Holy f***. Oh my gosh, here we go. The only beef with it so far is uh, the washout arm. Shut the f*** up! But honestly, it's a helicopter, and we're going to give Robert an aneurysm. (laughs) He's already had one. You've been watching Nothing else has really happened. It's your turn, Shaggy. All right. I'm in the mood for yelling. I don't know, man. Uh, I am too, dude. I am in the mood to f*** something up, okay? Sounds like you're in the mood. To, sounds like you're on uppers or something, dude. You're like, dude, I am hyped right now. Okay, I listened to three and a half episodes of RCHN uh, during work. What? And that gets you hyped? What gets you off, Mike? Holy shit! Well, okay, okay. I'm not even gonna. I'm not even gonna tell you guys what Mike's doing right now. Uh, I'm just <laughs> oh shit! My friend Parker, oh crap! Monty's going in the closet. He's grabbing something big and long and pointy. Well, it's not going to be pointy, but it's going to, it's going to, there it is. <laughs> oh my gosh.
Oh shit! Oh my gosh, oh, Mike! Here we go. Steve, Put it away. You have totally derailed our show. As, uh, as derailed yes. as it already was. Oh no! Here it comes. Oh, do we hear it? it dude, we hear? if I hear if if thing goes off, I'll be I'll be I'll be laughing. <laughs> Wham! <laughs> you sort of need to turn your microphone on, dude. I can't. <laughs> you're hitting you're hitting the shells in the screen, dude. <laughs> your camera can't keep he track of where the shell the in the screen. Oh shit! Mike's back. What do you have, He's Mike? got a bigger one. He's hiding it. Yeah, he's got something. <laughs> what the f- Oh, no. He's got an AR. <laughs> oh, my God. I go with zombie hunting? Oh, my God. I've got no. my BB gun for RCHL. I'm ready. Put me in, coach. <laughs> Has not a BB gun. And Robert's ready. He's got the right device. For Put me in, coach. I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh! Yeah, this, okay, should we get back in track now? This was going to be an easy to edit show. I think we. No, it, it was. Oh gosh, I'm gonna I'm gonna kill someone. Can I borrow that shotgun? No, go get your own shotgun. We don't want the paperwork. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll just make a knife. How about that with your name on it? Oh, Careful, the bench grinder, right, Parker. Then wait, what do you got? Oh Anything shit! Yeah. Anyway, anyway, so y'all about to see my dick. Well, okay then. Oh, I'm so putting that in the show notes. I mean, in the the show notes. No, in the hit in the uh, intro. Oh yes, <laughs> yes. That is so going in the intro. <laughs> He's turning red, dude. dude. <laughs> Screw the whole you know child friendly bullshit. <laughs> Things just change. Uh, just put a warning in the very front. It's like, you know, disclaimer, this is not a child-friendly episode, a family-friendly episode. Oh, gosh. In the very beginning. So We're that be is teleporno. about it.